0: This episode of the Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
0: BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Top of the morning to you. I'm losing my voice. By Thursday, I usually am losing my voice. Screaming at my children, left and right. Hey, great uh, day for you today. Um, man, interesting news. They may have a lead on that Malaysian flight. Holy cow, finally. What is it, 500 days later? Wow, isn't that amazing? A plane flies out, falls out of the sky somewhere and we can't find it for 500 days, 100 million dollars. Um, crazy stuff there. But then here's the thing. I have learned a brand new word today. In fact, Kathy, have you ever heard of the word doxing? Doxing? Mm-hmm. Have not. It's like boxing with a doc. Do-
2: I think it's a doctor boxing.
0: <laughs> it's uh doxing. Two people of now that we know of, I mean, in the recent days in the news have been, uh, you know, have been Doxers. Uh, a doc, doxing is the Internet-based practice of researching and broadcasting personal identifiable information about an individual. Hmm. For example, Donald Trump took Lindsey Graham's phone number, published it to the world.
2: And that's doxing? Doxing. Oh,
0: who uh, came up with that word? Uh, I don't know. Some, <laughs> some really weird people. It's after the word document. So it's an abbreviation for document. So – but then Mia Farrow just did it apparently um, because because of the shooting, the dentist that shot Cecil or Cecil the lion. She then apparently posted his business address, but some people thought it was his home address, but it was his business address. Mm -hmm. And then it created this major backlash, a lot of Twitter hate.
2: And that was doxing. Doxing. Interesting.
0: But it scares me because – it's this cyber vigilantism. This this could get crazy because now all of a sudden if your enemy in any form, in political or just if they don't like that you don't like cat videos, for example, Uh-oh. <laughs> they could now start posting your very personal information.
3: So, That's scary. What's your phone number, Matt?
0: <laughs> 1-855-422-CHAT. No, one eight five five chat byu That's my home number. <laughs> One eight five five chat BYU. So cyber vigilantism, and all of a sudden, so you know, when Donald Trump did it, we thought, oh, that's just <laughs> that's aggressive, cute, quaint. But this is a big deal because now, do you remember that whole website that I hate the company, um, Ashley Madison, right? The affair company where they set you up for to go have affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so all all of that information now is in the hands of these cyber vigilantes. And they could just start posting that left and right. In fact, sending you emails to your wife and your family and your kids. and
2: Could that blow up huge or and what? And this, this
0: is something that could happen anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, we ought to have some backlash about that. Folks need to be careful. Don't be – I mean, the minute you're doing that, I get it. You're mad about the lion being shot. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you got to have some rules. Right. Where does this end? Holy the cow! The Federal
2: government will get involved somehow, yeah, well, right?
0: That'll, <laughs> that'll we'll be jump great in because the federal government already had has been hacked and released twenty one million mm-hmm. names and. Anyway, uh, anyway, let's go to the headlines, find out what Kathy's got for us.
2: Debris from an airplane found washed up on an island in the Indian Ocean may be from the Malaysia Airlines flight that went missing last year. French authorities are studying part of a wing they think may be from a Boeing 777, the same type of plane that vanished without a trace with 230 passengers and crew on board. Investigators say there's a high degree of certainty the piece is from that missing plane. Here's Australia's Prime Minister, Warren Truss. This is obviously a very significant development it's the first uh, real evidence that there is a possibility that a part of the aircraft may have
3: been found uh, it's too early to make that judgement uh, but clearly we are treating this as a as a as a major lead
2: a white University of uh, Cincinnati police officer has been indicted on murder charges after he allegedly shot and killed a black man during a traffic stop near campus on July 19th. County prosecutors say Officer Ray Tenzing purposely killed the man after losing his temper. Tenzing could face life in prison if convicted. Three fraternity brothers and graduates from the University of Virginia are suing Rolling Stone magazine over a gang rape story. They're also suing the journalist Sabrina Erdley for the piece that has since been retracted after a A review found it profoundly flawed. The story said a woman was raped by seven fraternity members back in 2012 at the Phi Kappa Psi Fraternity House. Though none of the fraternity brothers were named in the article, the men are seeking over $75,000 for mental anguish and emotional distress. The complaint states the men were humiliated after they were presumed to be participants in the alleged assault. Rolling Stone's managing editor, Will Dana, is stepping down on August 7th. A new poll shows Donald Trump still leads among GOP presidential candidates. The Konipiak University poll shows Trump with 20 percent of the vote, followed by Scott Walker at 13 percent and Jim Bush at 10 percent. 30% 30% of the Republican voters, however, say there is no way they'd vote for Trump, the highest number of any GOP candidate. On the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton has a huge lead over Bernie Sanders, 55% to just 17 Even with that lead, Clinton scored the worst ever as far as favorability. Just 40% of likely voters approve of her, while 51% disapprove. Demonstrators have been protesting at the office of the Minnesota dentist who killed a protected lion in Zimbabwe. Walter Palmer said he thought the hunt was legal, but one of the guides he paid over $50,000 to has been charged with poaching. Due to the outrage, Palmer has been forced to shut the doors of his practice. He's also facing it. He is not facing a trial, though. But U.S. Fish and Wildlife officials say they'll assist Zimbabwe if needed. After the NFL announced Tom Brady's four-game suspension was being upheld over Deflategate, the New England Patriots are fighting back. Yesterday, team owner Robert Kraft said he was wrong to agree to accept the league's penalties and said the NFL got this one wrong.
4: I was wrong to put my faith in the league. There are those in the league office who are more determined to prove that they were right rather than admit any
5: culpability of their own or take any responsibility for the initiation of a process, an ensuing investigation that was flawed.
2: The league said Brady destroyed his cell phone, which could have provided evidence in the case. Brady continues to claim his innocence and has authorized the Players Union to appeal his case in federal court. And Matt, what would you pay for a piece or pieces Mm. of Olympic history? Jim Craig, the goaltender oh, yeah. for the U.S. during the Miracle on Ice back in 1980, he's selling 19 pieces from the Lake Placid Games for the bargain price of $5.7 million. 19
0: pieces of what? Here's what you get. His shattered yep. his, face mask.
2: His game jersey from oh, the 4-3 wow. win over the Soviet Union. Yeah. His gold medal, the famous American flag he draped over his shoulders yeah. in the winning game against Finland. And those three things alone have been appraised at more than 000, 000 a million dollars apiece. So, also included, yeah, the goalie mask, his skates, the stick, the outfit he wore in the opening ceremonies, and his Olympic ring. Oh yeah. He insists everything is sold together, so one person could buy it and continue to display it. He just may need the money. I don't know.
0: That's a great deal. Yeah. You That's think five point seven million. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you pay that? Oh yeah. In fact, <laughs> Ben, <laughs> go to my office and get my checkbook. I'm buying some Jim Craig stuff.
6: It's the second drawer, right?
0: So, how did you know that
2: <laughs> He's got your personal information?
0: It's right next to my mints, my breath mints. Sweet. hey, would you pay five point seven million? I no would way. that that's worth it. That no. stuff's worth it. you think oh, that goalie jersey Oh, it's to... awesome. I mean that and, was the
2: greatest game ever
0: and the mask come on, and the flag yeah, the, oh, the
2: flag would be cool people I, I pay would for pay that. for that that would be cool, yeah,
0: but plus just you know, I always thought that was weird, like when. A rock singer, or whatever, would wipe his sweaty brow and then throw oh. that handkerchief or whatever yes. out, like it, Tom Jones. Tom Jones, Engelbert
2: Humperdinck. Remember him? Oh,
0: I remember Engelbert. What a guy! <laughs> um, is he still alive? I'm sure he is. I think he is. But if somebody threw a wet, sweaty hanky at me, I'd be dodging that thing. <laughs> is that you just rude? you give it to your wife. <laughs> yeah, my wife <laughs> there would you go. love that. <laughs> Here you go, honey, a wet, sweaty hanky. By the way, did you hear about the Redskins? This is interesting. The Washington Redskins are claiming that 7.8 billion people followed their training camp. Isn't that amazing? Because no. You mean million? No, billion. Because there's only 7.2 billion people on the earth.
2: <laughs> okay. I say that number doesn't that
0: sound That is a right. lot of <laughs> That's outside. a lot of people. Yeah. It's, a, it's those darn um, – It's those darn extraterrestrials that are coming in to follow our Redskins. Yeah,
2: that new planet they found that is kind of similar to Earth. Maybe that's where they're getting that number from.
0: (laughs) You know what? They have got to fix the immigration problem. I know. Because they're immigrating from other planets just to catch a Washington Redskins game. Yeah, they might want to go back and check their numbers. I think their numbers (laughs) are a a little bit off. Interesting stuff. Well done, Kathy. Hey, we got a great uh, topic coming up Eric Heyer is going to be joining us. Uh, He's a professor here at uh, BYU uh, in the Department of Political Science and is um, an expert in Asian studies. We wanted to bring him in and talk China. All of the time we hear our, you know, all of our political leaders, everybody's always saying what a threat China is and how they're stealing jobs and they're just killing us. So we wanted to talk to Eric, find out what's really going on with China. Are they a threat? Do they see us as a threat? And what is the future of our relationship with the United States and China? Talking China, folks, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. This episode of the Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. Joining us in the studio is Dr. Eric Heyer, Associate Professor and Coordinator for Asian Studies here at BYU. He is a a professor in the Department of Political Science and uh, a coordinator for Asian Studies. He's he's giving us the inside scoop on China. You know, we're so... we, We get enough information to just hurt ourselves, it seems like. We hear about, you know, we all hear about the jobs supposedly being exported to China. But Dr. Hire made a really good point that how many companies do you know that are Chinese companies, name brand companies? And the cost of doing goods, that's another big problem out there. And China can beat us on uh, labor costs. But uh, he's here to help us understand, are they as big of a threat as we think they are? Um, So, Dr. Hire, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. It's insightful and anything I think we can do to just become more educated. We're we're fairly naive to China's a big place with a lot of complicated politics and we're not getting the full scoop. Like I was asking you about Tibet in the break. And we know that there's been a lot of human um rights issues between China and Tibet and we you know, Richard Gere is mad. All these people are mad and the Dalai Lama's here and but I'm going to bet most people don't have a clue what's really going on with the Tibet-China issue.
5: Well, Tibet is, is simply historically uh, and politically so complicated it's hard in a few minutes to, to, uh, to explain it. But I think it's important for listeners to understand that the United States agrees and recognizes that Tibet is part of China. They have done that since
0: 1911. So we 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 agree with China. We agree with China. Tibet is, Tibet part, is of China. part of
5: China. Where we disagree and disagree vehemently is that the Chinese uh, uh, deny Tibetans uh, religious liberties and cultural rights that we think uh, are are simple simply civil liberties, uh, you know that that government should not deny us. Um, which means that uh, uh, monasteries in Tibet are, are are tightly controlled by the by the Communist Party and the government. Uh, the number of lamas that can go there is controlled. their Their freedom of expression, freedom of practice of religion, is severely constrained, and and cultural practices are also constrained. Because Tibetan culture and religion, it's hard to d- dissect yeah. the it two. It's not like American culture and Christianity are somehow related but different. Tibetan culture and Tibetan religion is is almost it's one of the, the same, same things. Thing. The Dalai Lama represents Tibet. He is the symbolism of Tibet.
0: And yet he. He, really? doesn't, he does, doesn't live in Tibet. It, yeah, he lives in India because he's in, the, he's in yeah.
5: exile. He fled China in 1959 and has not been able to return. Uh, the Dalai Lama himself also says that he's not advocating the independence of Tibet and, uh, but does want the Chinese to, uh, to, to give them more cultural and religious liberties. Um, for example, the, the photograph of the Dalai Lama is not allowed to be shown or possessed in Tibet. But interesting enough, I was recently in a Tibetan monastery. This is not actually in Yunnan province, uh, which is part of China, close to the Tibetan border. And it's a region which is a Tibetan inhabited region, which used to be part of Tibet. But we can't go into that long, complicated history. And I was shocked to see that the Dalai Lama's picture was being uh, Hmm. displayed. And I took some pictures of it for my evidence, and I started – I engaged a young monk. He was probably 17, 18 years old and said, you know, what's the deal here? I thought this was against the law. He goes, well, it used to be – we didn't used to be allowed to show the picture of the Dalai, but now we can. And that's in this monastery, but in Tibet itself that may not be allowed. But this is the funny side note. I tried to engage him in a discussion on that, and he was really not interested in discussing it. He pulled out his MBA magazine, and he wanted to talk about MBA. He (laughs) says, are you from the west or the eastern part of the United States? I said, I'm from the west. Oh, The West, oh, Kobe Bryant. The Jazz. (laughs) East, LeBron James. I said, well, I'm from Salt Lake City. Oh, Jazz. And he immediately knew. Are you kidding me? This is a
0: Tibetan monk? This is a Tibetan (laughs) monk.
5: And uh, I just thought to myself, oh, you know, this is like any average deacon or teacher, Mormon deacon or teacher who who passes the sacraments, but he'd
0: rather be looking
5: at his NBA magazine or or, or, or texting his friends or something like that. See, that's
0: what we're exporting. Tibet's exporting. Uh, oh yeah. the Dalai Lama, and we're exporting the sure. NBA. The
5: NBA has uh, has re- is really big in China. Uh, That's uh, great. You know. Uh, some people were said, oh, you know, when Yao Ming came and some of these other players, that oh, the Chinese are going to take over the NBA. I says, no, no, no. no. <laughs> the NBA has taken over China. Isn't that amazing? It's just it's very popular and, and big. And uh, I have a friend that worked for the NBA as a lawyer, and his biggest task was chasing down people who were knocking off NBA products exactly. And stuff like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> See, so isn't that an interesting thing? The, the complications or the and just the confusion around Tibet. But another thing, I think we're a little, I don't know. Not clear on. It seems like China's going to take us over milita- mil- militaristic, mil- militarily. I guess is the word. They're going to eventually own us. Uh, I,
5: that, they're, they're, uh,
0: they're creating. Uh, they're uh, creating uh, land uh, in the seas, South Seas. Their own, they're going to they're gonna get us.
5: It'll be a long, long time before the Chinese ever compete with the United States head-to-head militarily. But you mentioned this the South China Sea. This is an area that I, that I focus my research on. And territorial disputes in the South China Sea are a serious problem. Yeah, uh, uh, Listeners need to remember that it's not just the Chinese. It's the Vietnamese. It's the Filipinos. It's the Malaysians. It's the people from Brunei, Dar es Salaam. And it's even Taiwan. They all have islands that they claim in the South China Sea. The United Nations law on the sea doesn't recognize any of those claims, But each one of those countries have set up little kind of mini bases, built a runway on a on a sandbar, mm. positioned some military there in a barracks. Like trying to
0: extend their property line? Yeah,
5: they they, they dredge the sea and kind of build the island a little bit larger and, and build a longer runway. And And the Chinese have been doing that lately. It's hit, got a lot of news. But the Vietnamese have done it in the past. The Filipinos have done it. The mm. Malaysians have done it. The Taiwanese have all done it. The United States' position is that there must be freedom of navigation through the South China Sea. This is a major. This is a major sea lane of yeah. communication. Think of all the exports from Asia that go to Europe, all the oil that from the Middle East that comes to
0: Asia. They gotta have 70% that Seventy
5: percent of world trade goes through the South China Sea. Now, the United States' principle is: this is an open sea. There's freedom of navigation. No one can block us from doing that. So we sail our, our, uh, you know, battleships through to demonstrate Keep to other countries Keep, that yeah. hey, look it. You know, we are doing what we have the right to do, and the Chinese get antsy, and they kind of challenge us, and they come out and look at us. And and so there is the potential for sort of this – you know, we're playing chicken on the high seas, and, you know, boats don't turn very quick. They don't stop on a dime, and the the potential for collision or for mishap is really high. And so one of the challenges the United States and China has right now is military-to-military communication and setting sort of the ground rules for Hmm. the games that are played in the South China Sea. How close can you come – when you're when you're called out, do you have to back off? Things like that, and and we're working those out with the Chinese. But they they believe that uh, because they have this, they claim this land in the South China Sea. They have some jurisdiction over what happens there. Right. We're saying no, 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 no. These these islands are not yours. The, the South China Sea is is like the any other ocean that we can freely travel through, and there's what we call freedom, innocent passage. And, and, and so we continue to assert that right, and the Chinese continue to push their view of hmm. things, and, and we have big differences.
0: What's the, what, what are the relationships like between the other Asian countries in China? Are they? Um, I assume they're intimidated.
5: Intimidated is a good word. Uh, Vietnam, Philippines, Malaysia, even Singapore are all to some degree intimidated by the rapid rise of China and the economic power of China and the influence China is gaining over Southeast Asia. Now. The other side of that equation, though, is that these countries have all become much more willing to embrace the United States. The Philippines is much more interested in a, in a, in a closer military relationship. Yeah. Vietnam and China, heavens, we're, we're, we're best friends now. <laughs> That's right. And, and you think, you know what? It, wasn't, uh, it was only a few decades ago that we were killing each That's other. That's right. And now we think, they think we're their best friend because they, you know, they want us to best brother. Yeah, they want us to – and I was in Vietnam, and, uh, and the feelings among Vietnam Vietnamese towards Americans is completely very, very pro American. Wow. They were happy to see us there. Yeah. They, they were very nice. There was no one ever brought up, you bad, evil Americans yeah. were killed. No one ever brought that up. And I traveled around Vietnam for a week just recently and, 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 and that issue never came up. They were always about, oh, those Chinese are on the move, and we need to stick together to confront those big Chinese. They, 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 claim some of our islands, and they claim some of our sea, and and we want you to help us protect it. And so we now give military assistance to Vietnam and, and other things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, talk about the talk about the economics. Um, we, Donald Trump and others have claimed how China playing with the economy. They're playing with the dollar. They're
5: there is always you know and, and this beca- this is so complicated i, I just don 't know that we could even do this in a short morning show um, there is this issue of, of Chinese cur- what we call currency manipulation that the Chinese uh, keep their currency artificially uh, weak so that American products are expensive to Chinese and Chinese products are cheap for the United States.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: We always address that issue with the Chinese, but we have to realize that the chin- the value of the Chinese currency over the last Four years has risen by about 25%. Hmm. Three years ago, I used to get eight Chinese RMB to my US dollar. When I was there last week, I got six RMB to my US oh, dollar, wow. which meant that everything I bought in China, including my bowl of noodles for lunch, was more expensive. Yeah. So not only was the exchange rate not good for me, as not as good as it used to be, but also just the cost of living in China going up. So going up. it's become much more expensive for me to live and work in China than it was, now, Chinese products uh, have become marginally more expensive, but this is a complicated economic issue, and there are real differences of opinion among economists over whether or not the Chinese really manipulate this. Okay, The Chinese currency is not a freely exchanged currency like the United States, so it doesn't float up and down, right. uh, and they're moving in that direction. But the Chinese economy has a big impact on the U.S. economy. Just think, you know, while I was there in China over the last month, the Chinese uh, stock market tanked. It went, they lost three quarters of oh, their value. I know. My friends in China were like, crap, I can't retire now. I just lost <laughs> my, my retirement. Um, the government has intervened in the market to try to prop it up, which is a bad thing. Uh, government should stay clear of the markets. Not the markets right. correct themselves, uh, but the Chinese are kind of freaked out by this. Um, it sends shutters through. But look at what's happened to the U.S. stock market. It's kind of declined a little yeah. bit because everybody looks. Ooh, the Chinese market is in decline. Is Uh-oh. Struggling. Here if we chi- go. If the Chinese don't buy as much, yeah. if they don't, ha- if they don't, if the Chinese economy is not dynamic, yeah, then well, how does that impact yeah. our economy? There's the global
0: marketplace, right? Uh, it's a global
5: marketplace and everything's tied together and if the Chinese stop building roads and highways and railroads and buildings, they don't uh, oh. they don't consume as much cement and steel and yeah, things and slow down. Building products and if Chinese lose their jobs, they don't buy as many iPhones, they don't buy as, as many American products that you know. That's true. Uh, Chinese like to buy high-end products. Wealthy Chinese love to buy high-end products.
0: What percentage are wealthy?
5: Uh, china has 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 a growing middle class now. Uh, china has brought millions and millions of people out of poverty and China now has a big growing class, growing middle class When you go to Chinese cities today it 's just simply astounding that over the last few decades. Uh, people I knew who were living, you know, hand to mouth in a small little apartment now have a nice apartment. They have a, they have a car. They go to Disneyland on vacation mm. with their kids. Wow. And, I mean, friends of mine who live in Beijing have apartments that I would die to have in New York City. Uh, my One of my friends told me that, yeah, I just bought my second car. I have a Volvo. My wife has an Accord. We have a nanny. We went to Disneyland on vacation. I'm going like, dude. How lawyers are doing okay in China? <laughs> they and, and he's a Chinese educated person who's just made his way. So there's this new. It's happening. There's this new emerging middle class, very sophisticated, very connected with the international That's culture great. and media, very savvy on pop culture. Uh, they know, you know, the Chinese control their their social media, but they know how to jump over what we call the firewall. Yeah. There's something called yeah. a VPN, which uh, I don't know what VPN stands for or something. <laughs> it's we a don't technical know. term. We're, we're but clueless. If you have a VPN, essentially you're connecting to a server outside okay. of China, and so you can get on Facebook, you can get on Google. Oh, so now they're can... all
0: getting those.
5: Oh yeah, and they all they all have that, and the Chinese have pretty much let the this this elite attentive class of middle class upper class people do that because. It, it has economic implications, design people in China, m- economic people, mar- uh, you know, traders and stuff in China. They, we need to be a connected to the global economy. Yeah. If, you, if you shut down the internet, if you control the internet, we don't know what the trends are. We can't redesign products to be more appealing. We can't access resources we need. So... um the Chinese uh, have, have, have allowed that to go on. Uh, it's important for Americans to know that, that there are mo- more sc- movie screens in China than in the United States by a long shot. Are there really? And Chinese love American
0: movies. So all, that's...
5: The, all the big movies show there. And In fact, I think the most recent big hit in the United States, I forget the name of it now.
0: Was it Inside Out? Uh,
5: it was it, probably a Marvel one. It was one, or... one of these ma- – it was a yeah. Marvel one. Yes, it was the recent uh, the, uh, Marvel one. Made, uh, made more money in China than the United States. Did it so really no, so yeah. no what's Ant-Man probably So what's Hollywood saying? They're saying, look at if we don't have the Chinese market, Interesting. we don't make the money to make these big
0: blockbuster movies. Well so so we've we only got about two more minutes, but so it sounds like um as the market goes, the democracy's going too.
5: Well, isn't it? This is a big question. I mean, you know, Americans oftentimes think in their minds, this is the economy becomes more liberal and more open and more free market economy. Well, and
0: that they're into the, our social media. And democracy
5: couldn't be far
0: behind, right? Yeah, you'd think.
5: But the Communist Party has really kept a tight handle on this. China is clearly a single party dictatorship. In the last month, they've cl- cracked down. They've, they've arrested over 250 human rights lawyers. Oh, wow. And many of those are still in jail. This is a big issue yeah. right now in China. The, the the Communist Party is concerned that that uh, their their legitimacy will be eroded, much like happened in the Soviet Union and mm-hmm. Eastern Europe, and so they are hanging on tight, and yeah. they are they are they are they are going after human rights lawyers, they are going after people who are. Who 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 engage in social media protests and things like that. The most unique case recently was a group of five women who were put in jail for social unrest. And you know what they were doing? What they were actually going in and using men's public laboratories to protest the inadequacies of women's latrines and men's, to latr- men's latrines. And say we're waiting long we wait in long lines and men don't have to. So they started using men's latrines and started demonstrations. And they're in jail. And the Chinese picked them up and says, "Hey, this is creating social unrest. You're in jail now."
0: Huh. Wow,
5: And then the civil rights lawyers come and start defending yeah. their civil liberties and then, protest, they gotta go. and then
0: they're in jail. So in a nutshell, as we wrap it up again, Dr. Eric Heyer uh, is the coordinator for Asian studies here at BYU. What should just the average American's feeling, view, perception of China be? What should that look like?
5: That That, that the United States and China at a fundamental level have common interests in global security, Global resources, environmental concerns, and we must cooperate. But on other areas, we do compete. We compete economically. We will compete militarily. So it's not friend versus or foe. Yeah. It's it's you know we there are areas Partner, where we cooperate, kind of, yeah. and there are, it's 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 natural that two great powers have differences. But it's also important to understand that two great powers cooperate. We cooperate. On the climate issue, we cooperate on global trade issues. We cooperate on North Korean nuclear provision. Mm-hmm. We just got done cooperating very closely on the Iran nuclear yeah, issue, right. and, and and put a lid on that. So we need to cooperate with the Chinese. They have to cooperate with us. But we do compete with each other in many other areas, and and it's a matter of learning how to manage that relationship. It's like it's like a family. You learn how to. Uh, get along with each That's other right. and, and 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 talk through problems and 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 don't go to come don't go go to blows.
0: And if it ever gets bad we just send an NBA team over. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. As ambassadors. That would yeah. shut them up. Well, Eric Heyer, we appreciate you again. Dr. Eric Heyer, associate professor um, here at in the Department of Political Science at Brigham Young University and the coordinator for Asian Studies. Great insight, folks. Not friend, I mean friend or father. They're kind of both. That's, you know what, that seems like pretty much everybody. Good stuff. Maybe also not somebody to fear so much. Maybe just let's go try to understand a little bit better. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, my friends. We'll be right back. This episode of the Matt Townsend Show was recorded previously. Welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend Show. You know what a fun uh, discussion about China. we really don't we don't understand. Think about it. If you're getting most of your information from just you know your regular news source, you got two minutes of a story that might have something to do with China. But as I sat here with Dr. Heyer who goes to China, regularly and um studies it you sit there and you realize that every issue like we brought up the south china seas and he's like oh yeah that's huge that's there's a lot to that there's so much going on so every time you hear about a, a stand down between the united states and and the chinese navy there's it's it's a weird you know we we think there's amazing incredible tension and some of this is just it just happens in the south china seas that's the only place that that tension's going on but we don't even understand it when we talk about tibet we don't understand it and in our world and in our culture the loudest voice gets all the attention and we throw out these statements like our politicians might throw out about you know how they're playing with the currency china's playing with the currency again That is a discussion that if we actually had the discussion for the hour and a half it would take to thoroughly explore that, guess what? You'd probably understand a little bit better what's going on and understand that playing with currency can benefit both sides of the equation, right? Anyway, one of the rules, then I guess, when it comes to China and any but anything, and so be thinking about this as you're just trying to interact with the world, is always identify that it's more complex than any of us make it. We have to assume complexity. China is not just an enemy, and it's not just a friend. And they might be, you know, stealing a lot of videos and pirating them, and. As a country, they really are trying to stop that because that's impacting their bottom line. Notice the complexity. And they're not doing a good enough job yet. And certain people are losing millions or billions of dollars because of pirating. And the government's trying to crack down on it. So I don't know. We always think black, white, good, bad. And the reality of China is it sounds like they, they like us. And they don't just like us to use us. They like us to actually – they like what we like. They like the media we like. They like watching the sports we like. And we're influencing them just as much as they're influencing us. Are you kidding me? The NBA is one of the most important things in the culture. It's just, it's interesting. So to the degree that you can fear China, you might also be able to fear America. And we've got a really powerful role there. So. To me, I love bringing on guests like that, and you'll see a lot more of them, and or hear a lot more of them on the show because that's our new direction—is just giving you more tools, more information. You never get a 35-minute interview with an expert in China. Where do you ever get that? And some of you are like, "Well, I don't want that. Let's talk about Donald Trump." <laughs> okay, we'll get you one of those too. Hey, uh, we'll get some psychologist or something. Hey, we're going to take a break, my friends. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show in the can done we'll be back next hour more ideas more tools to help you uh, find the good in the world stick with us we'll be right back
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Kathy Aiken, filling in for Matt today. I believe he's out getting some well-deserved rest and relaxation. You know, I keep thinking... I'm going to at the end of summer, but um, look at the calendar. Can you believe it? it's almost the middle of August? It's almost over. Oh, my gosh. Where has it gone? It's gone way too fast. And Ben also left us. He's in Hawaii on a nice, two vaca- nice two-week vacation. Mike Pond filling in today. Mike?
8: It's a brand-new show. Yeah.
2: You're kind of trying to see which buttons you need to push. Yeah. And we know you'll do the right thing. So thanks for that. Happy Thursday, by the way. It happens to be International Left-Handers Day. So that's been a good good day in our family. Yesterday, it was the middle child day, and we have a middle child, and today, we have a left hander.
3: Do you call and let them know?
2: Well, actually, my middle boy, I did. We celebrated. Uh, The youngest, however, who's the lefty, is on a church mission in Japan, so I can't call him, unfortunately. (laughs) I wish I could. How do you celebrate
3: middle child day?
2: I'm just. Just acknowledge that he's a good middle child. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. No issues. You know, he doesn't have those issues that I hear about. Yeah, he's a great kid. Yeah, so. I,
3: I read a lot of... I'm a middle child. You're the middle child. I don't child. have a lot, a lot of the issues and hang-ups and, you oh, know, things good. in life. So it's kind oh, of odd good. to read all this stuff about the problems.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, ours is great. Very mellow, very, I, very I, good I
3: wonder kid. if it's about parenting and not, you know ignoring the child I guess is it kind of I think
2: you put so much effort into that first one yeah just to make sure you get it right by the second one you're you think you're going to do the same thing and it's not the same child, and they're so different. And yeah, yeah you do. I and then the third, one gets, the
3: third one gets away with everything because you've just given up at <laughs> that point. That is point. true. Yeah. That is true. That's how that yeah, works. Yeah, what bothered with my... you
2: with the first, the third, you're like, whatever. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Like, like
3: I didn't have a car to drive in high school. My brother did.
2: <laughs> of course. So <laughs> that That's works. That's how it works. Yeah, and you'll know when you have, uh, if you have three kids. Anyway, bigger day in the Aiken household tonight. That's because six preseason NFL games oh. going on tonight. Right. Love it. Especially Ugh. my Green Bay Packers going up against the Patriots.
3: For a quarter, maybe.
2: I know. maybe Aaron it... Rodgers, I don't care. I just a quarter. I, he probably won't even get a full quarter. Maybe no. a series or two, maybe right? Maybe a series, yeah. 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 yeah, you don't want him to go down in uh, a preseason game. That's never a good thing.
3: Well, is Tom Brady playing?
2: No, he will not be playing. Which brings us, this is interesting. I don't know if you saw, saw this poll yesterday. I don't know. Is the deflate gate thing, it, are you totally sick of it or, or is it intriguing?
3: I find it intriguing now that it's in the federal court because yeah. before it was just sort of within the league and okay we're going to impose our own sort of suspensions now it's real now yeah. they have a judge who's trying to figure out who broke the law if there was sort of some laws broken
2: yeah and he's just saying please figure this out I don't yeah. want to have to I don't have to figure it out his, for you his
3: comments are funny he, yeah he, they were he choose them out a little bit and-
2: but he goes to the NFL what, give me your hard evidence what's your hard evidence uh then to Tom Brady why did you destroy your cell phone yeah. uh you know it's just I don't know it's yeah. crazy <laughs> but it's interesting I don't know if you saw the poll that ESPN uh, ran yesterday I they polled 100 NFL players. 72% say they believe the Patriots did deflate the footballs, but only 16% were bothered by it. Yeah. 68% said they think other teams do the same thing. Absolutely. And Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. And that's probably why they they're not bothered it. Why yeah. by it, right? That's why 72. percent said the Patriots were not cheaters. So I what, don't... what is it? Uh, everybody does it, so it's no big deal? Basically. Okay.
3: I think the other idea is I don't think it actually helps anything. The idea is that you deflate the football, it makes it easier to throw Mm because you can a little bit more grip and easier to catch. I don't think it matters. They won that game by 35 points. Right.
2: And I believe he played better in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, than he did in the first half when they figured out the balls were deflated. Right? I think.
3: So the whole thing comes down to somebody lied, somebody's mad because somebody lied. Exactly. Then somebody broke their phone to to get to you know not, now there's Possibly. no evidence of a lie right and now it's gone to a court actual like federal court and someone's gonna have to pay something
2: you know though I found I it it very interesting. interesting someone it was an NFL um, columnist said every day that the NFL is talking about Deflategate they're not talking about concussions, right. and they're not talking about the botched investigations over domestic violence. I thought that was yeah. that was quite it, insightful. It, it's, that a makes big, sense. it's a big distraction. Yeah, big distraction, absolutely. Well, overblown, no pun intended, so let's just play football, right? Well, we're going to talk cougar football a little later on in the program with the guys at BYU Sports Nation, and this hour, we're going to talk golf, and really, what's happened to the game? Why has there been so many people leaving the game? Why the decline in the game's popularity. Bob Casper, the son of the late, great Billy Casper, is going to join us to talk about that and He'll also give us his predictions for the PGA Championship, which starts today at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. I'm extremely jealous that that's where he is today. Yeah, he's there. that's his job. Rough job.
3: Covers it live. (laughs) Nice uh, job. Other places I've worked, you'd get him on the phone, and he's like, yes, it's a a difficult work day, and he's just kind of out there hanging out on the golf course, watching people play golf.
2: Not in Wisconsin. There's no palm trees, but anyway. (laughs) But first, Terry South is going to give us the news. Terry.
3: Former President Jimmy Carter, in a statement Wednesday, said cancer has spread... Uh, After uh, his, uh, had a liver surgery recently, recent liver surgery revealed that I have cancer, and now it's in other parts of my body. The 90-year-old former president said Carter uh, is being treated at Emory Hospital in Atlanta, Promise a more complete statement to be made when more facts are known, possibly next week. His family has been plagued with a history of pancreatic cancer. Carter's father and three siblings each died from the disease. So that'll uh, we'll get more information later on on that. Hillary Clinton's agreed earlier this week to turn over her email server as the investigation into her email practices. The Secretary of State continues. Republican presidential candidate Jeb Bush and Scott Walker both commented on Clinton's use of the private email server.
1: Hillary Clinton would be a good deceiver in chief, but she cannot be trusted to be the commander in chief.
6: Thinking it was okay to use a private server? Thinking that her server would be safer than the State Department's firewalls?
3: Lots of emotion. They're both running for president, and so she, so politics in there, too. The controversy could be contributing to the rise of Clinton's Democratic opponent, Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator leads Clinton, or Sanders leads Clinton 44 to 37 percent in a new poll out of New Hampshire. So he's closed up. The, the, uh, he's taken the lead there.
2: Yeah, just in March, he was 8%. Right. Huge change. So he's
3: jumped up here. Yep. A recent Monmouth University poll shows that a majority of registered voters aren't particularly suspicious of Clinton's private email use, with 51% of American voters believing that it was simply a matter of convenience. Only 38% think that the server uh, suggested the former Secretary of State had something to hide. Still, 52% believe a criminal investigation of the emails are in order to examine the potential release of classified material. And, of course, as you reported yesterday, Kathy, John Kerry... Is convinced that China and Russia are in his email. So
2: Everybody's reading our emails. If they're reading Everybody. our emails,
3: I think they need to find out <laughs> if anything was exposed here. The Navajo Nation plans to sue the Environmental Protection Agency over the release of contaminated wastewater from a mine in southwestern Colorado that has impacted the nation, as, he said, as the uh, spokespeople say, religiously, emotionally, and financially. Last week, about 3 million gallons of wastewater accidentally spilled into the Animas and San Juan rivers when the EPA team was investigating a a contamination at the Gold King Mine in Colorado. President of the Navajo Nation, Russell Begay, says that over 100,000 Navajo people who live along the San Juan River have been affected, including those who have had their drinking and irrigation water cut off, and farmers who have had to relocate their cattle and must now pay for new hay, and new uh, ways to haul water to their cattle, so their lawsuit is seeking to pay for those types of expenses. Yeah, what a mess! So I think it's
2: getting close to Lake Powell here in Utah, yes. which is very sad. It's moving towards there. If you're
3: a uh, as we talked about, a federal judge challenged the NFL over its four-game suspension of New England Patriots Tom Brady on Wednesday, demanding to know what evidence directly links Brady to deflating footballs. Judge Richard M. Berman in Manhattan repeatedly asked NFL lawyer Daniel Nash for direct evidence that implicates Mr. Brady as he gave both sides a chance to state their cases in the first hearing before him. Nash responded by saying there is considerable evidence Mr. Brady clearly knew about this, including records of text messages and phone calls between the quarterback and one of the two Patriot employees implicated in actually deflating the footballs, called Deflategate. But he also said there was no smoking gun, showing Brady had direct knowledge that the balls were actually deflated. So they say they have evidence, but it's not enough to actually convict him of it, but it looks bad. It's kind of what they're saying.
2: But doesn't it look bad that the two guys that have supposedly deflated the footballs no longer work for the New England Patriots? Something? Yeah. I don't know. They got fired. Yeah. Got to tell you something.
3: Cheaters. Well, no. What do they get? Snitchers. Get. <laughs> they, never they never win. You, you snitch, you, you, you go away. Yeah. Uh, both sides are scheduled to return to court next week. Because the NFL versus Tom Brady is in federal court, the only images from the courtroom come from a courtroom artist. The artist for this case is a woman named Jane Rosenberg, who has 30 years experience as a courtroom artist, but her rendering of Tom Brady in the courtroom was mocked and ripped on Twitter. Did you see that? It was horrible. Here's the artist. I
2: apologize for not making him look pretty enough to the world and all those fans of Tom Brady. He's a very good looking guy. But I
0: did a wide shot with a lot of people in it. It was a big composition. Tom Brady was a tiny little head in that composition. With pastels, it's very hard to get accurate when you work small. I felt bad for her.
3: She's getting hammered. She's getting hammered. Uh, that people have taken the, the picture, repurposed it as E.T., mm-hmm. kind of that yeah. brown sort of mangled well, looks like face.
2: looks it's, 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 it's wax and it's kind of melting. It's slowly kind right. of pulling down.
3: And then they did, uh, they've also put them in as the Brady Bunch. They replaced all the, the family's photos. Oh, yeah. So there's all kinds of different ways they've <laughs> you've repurposed this, but she's apologized for her attempt. Also, KFC in China, Kentucky Fried Chicken, is hoping to improve its recent sales slump with its new eye-catching pink and black sandwiches. Wow! The fast food restaurant chain has introduced the red or the rose cheese chicken leg burger, featuring cotton candy pink bun. Now I don't know if hmm. it, I don't know if it has any flavoring, but that's the color. It's wow. cotton candy pink. I wonder where the they other got one, that.
2: I'm thinking that was a good idea.
3: The other one is a black diamond bacon spicy chicken leg burger, on a black bun. On a
2: black
3: bun. So KFC Chen is hoping to improve their business promotion sales have fallen ten mm. percent recently. Wow. So a red bun and a black bun is how they're going to. Sounds raise. like a little
2: desperation, huh?
3: I guess they look unappetizing yeah. on the pictures I've seen. By so. the
2: way, I forgot the international left-handers. There. Are you? Le- are you a lefty? No. No, not at all.
3: No, not one of those.
8: <sighs>
2: you know, it's our son <laughs> who is a lefty. We, my husband, always uh, wishes he would have put a baseball in his hand and yeah. and, and you know. Left-handed pitchers are in high demand, yes. so there's money. There's
3: money to be made they if need you to can be made. Yeah. force your child to be a left-hander. So
2: one of the great left-handers, my son Trevor. All right, thanks, Terry. Coming up, do you play golf? Or maybe you used to play golf but no longer have time or money to keep it up? Well, Bob Casper is going to join us. He's going to tell us what happened to the popularity of the game and why so many people have walked away. And we'll also talk about the PGA Championship starting today. That's up next, and this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend show. Second hour of the program. Matt is taking some time off today and I'm Kathy Aiken filling in and this hour, really looking forward to it because I, I love golf, not a good golfer, love to play, love to watch. And apparently, though, a lot of people have either quit the game or they just don't play like they used to. Why has the game lost so much of its popularity? Well, joining us now from Whistling Straits, home of this year's PGA Championship, is Bob Casper. He's a former player as well as the son of the late, great Billy Casper. And he also has his own golf show called Real Golf Radio. And you can hear that on American Forces Radio Network. Bob, good morning, and how's the weather in Wisconsin today?
4: yeah it's a perfect day so far nice and sunny and guys have already started to go out and start playing and and some guys are putting up some good numbers right now
2: I think uh a lot of people are envious of your job
4: well, <laughs> you've got it, it good uh, it's, it's really fun it's really fun we've uh we've been doing this real golf radio now uh and its in and, and it's we've been doing it for about fifteen years. Um, oh, wow. 16 years now. And um, it's something that we just started locally in the Utah area, and now we have a syndicated show that, that branches out to not only Utah, but uh, about uh, 60 to 70 stations around the country. Wow, that's and, great. And uh, it's 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 just fun. It's fun, and and uh, the highlights of our our year are being at the major championships and being able to broadcast from there. Yeah, and uh, and do updates and that kind of thing during the week.
2: Well, we'll talk about the PGA Championship in a little bit, but first, why has American fall America fallen out of love with the game of golf? Why aren't people playing like they used to?
4: Well, I think there's you know there might be a few things. Um, but I think that for the most part you know game is or, or golf has become a game that uh that takes a little while to play
2: mm-hmm. um, time consuming'
4: have become yeah time consuming um the courses have become more difficult um which you know which takes longer uh for the average person to be able to play mm-hmm. why why do you um, think, think that is because, why would
2: they make them more difficult when people want to enjoy themselves? i mean golf is such a hard game anyway
4: yeah. Well, one of the things that we have in Utah is is a great system of um, municipalities that own that own golf courses and you know we've got great golf courses in the state that are that are run by the um, you know the county salt lake county and and uh, Salt Lake City and you know uh, Springville has Halva Creek and you know you just can go down the list. Of all these these great fun golf courses, and then you've, you then you've got golf courses like you have at Thanksgiving Point, where you can bring in major championship
7: mm-hmm.
4: uh, or or um, championship golf, like the Web.com Tour this this year that was just there a couple weeks ago, um, and and golf courses that are tough, like up in Park City, you know, and and the Heber area championship golf courses that were designed and built by. Um, major championship players like Johnny Miller and Jack Nicklaus, and yeah. so when you've got golf courses like that, with the with the, with the thought in mind of wanting to bring um, tournament golf to those, and uh, you know, opportunities to play, um, you know, uh, major events like like the U.S. Amateur Public Links that was played at uh, up at Soldier Hollow, that kind of thing, then those golf courses have a tendency. To become a little bit more difficult because they um, are on a on the aspect of championship golf courses and and everybody wants to play them. Everybody wants to have uh, an opportunity to play the the golf courses that that potential pros and and uh, great amateurs are going to play. Mm-hmm. And they're more difficult. Yeah, they, they wanted they difficult. want to say they
2: were part of it, right? So. Y- yeah. You talk about the difficulty of the game and the time frame. I mean, it was about four hours, I think, to play eighteen holes. If if you're if you're, no,
4: it's it, it, it... it's getting up to five five and a half hours.
2: Wow, yeah, that's too yeah. long. What about so time? What about money? Because I think Bob, yep. just like in any sport, whether it's tennis or anything, to really become good, you have to play a lot. And golf is expensive.
4: It is, and you know, you've got to you've got you you think about golf courses, and you know, and I'm I'm not. Golf courses need to make money and that kind of thing. And the municipality courses are are generally courses that are that um, are cheaper as far as uh, greens fees are concerned and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at Hobble Creek or or at Spanish Oaks or Gladstone or whatever, you know, and you're paying you're paying between 20 and and 40 dollars to play around the golf depends on if you want to have a cart you know that's that's additional Mm -hmm. then you've got like those those championship golf courses that i've talked about and you're paying 65 75 80 dollars to play around the golf and um and you know for people to go out and, and fork that money out especially in utah county or in utah it's it's you know it's a little bit tough for them to to be able to do that all the time. Right. And so, especially uh, and you know you so need
2: all, you want some good yeah. clubs and that costs money. I'll yeah. tell you you know I think Bob too especially on the public courses. Uh, my husband and my son and I went golfing a few weeks ago and there were two people in front of us and the guy literally he would hit the ball and wherever the ball was he would hit four different balls from that same spot which obviously put everybody yeah. else behind and he was so angry yeah. when we got up there and say hey can we play can we go ahead and play play through and he was upset about that and i thought you know this is why people don't like to do it is when you get players that really don't know what they're doing and kind of you know make it into a long drawn day but let me ask you this is what are the numbers showing are are men leaving the game more than women or the other way around or, or is it pretty equal
4: well i think it's I think it's all in, all inclusive um, as to as to who's leaving the game. Um, I, I would say probably because the 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 population of golfers is more men. I would say it's probably more men that are that are um, that are bouncing out of the game just because there's so many different different things that that people can do with their time now. Um, right. I think I think to grow the game, I think that we've got to. Um, We've got to take advantage of the juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to
2: say, you need to get them while they're young, don't you? More,
4: yeah, yeah. You got to bring more kids into the game, and uh, and then I think women is another population of of golf that that can bring a lot of uh, players back into the game.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I heard a discussion many times over the years. Um, so much of the decline in golf directly due to Tiger Woods. So when Tiger is competitive. Um, there are more casual fans watching the game. Is that right?
4: Yeah. I think anytime you have a dominant player in the game or somebody that really kind of moves the needle and sparks excitement in the game, then I think uh, you're going to get more people gradually or gravitating to the game. And that's what happened with Tiger Woods. I mean, he, you know, he's had a set a phenomenal career so far and, um, and yeah, his his playing ability, everything has, has really diminished in the in the last two or three years. He hasn't won majors, that kind of thing. But we've got a whole new group of young players coming into the game right now that, you know, the Rory McIlroy's, the Jordan Speace, the Jason Bays, all those guys uh are coming into the game and, and each one of them brings brings a following with them. Uh kids that wanna learn and do more and 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 play competitive golf and have more fun so i think i think these young guys are really going to carry the torch and and elevate the game a little bit more
2: but even even though tiger hasn't been competitive for so long he is still you watch espn or the golf channel and he is still the guy that gets the most attention so is jordan speith i mean is he moving the dial like tiger has or is that just too, too too early to tell
4: yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit early in this whole complex of 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 being able to move the needle. Tiger's done it for so long and that's you know, he took the PGA tour from from purses uh, that were that were relatively low um to every week they're playing for a million dollars for the winner. Right. Um when my when my dad won when my dad was the leader of the money title in nineteen sixty eight, he won five or six times that year and he made $200,000 total for the year. Jordan Spieth won four times this year, and he's, and he's pushing $10 million right now in earnings on the golf course. So I understand there's a difference in generation and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but Tiger Woods has really pushed the needle and helped the PGA Tour to monopolize on the on the TV money and all that kind of thing that it pushed all the purses and everything so high. Right. Now, as far as Jordan Spieth, as far as Rory McIlroy, phenomenal talent. And I think it's just going to take probably a little bit of time for them to move into the spotlight, spotlight to be able to push that needle kind of, kind of like Tiger's done.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I've loved watching Jordan Spieth winning those two majors this year. He was close at the U.S. Open and now with the PGA Championship. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and get more insight from Bob on the big major this weekend. Bob, stick around because when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Jordan Spieth. We'll talk about Roy McIlroy. See, talk about his ankle injury and see if Bob thinks that will hinder his chances at all. We're talking golf when we come back, and this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt, who's taking a couple of days off this week. We're talking golf with Bob Casper, a former player himself and son of Billy Casper. Now, Bob, I saw the stat this morning that the last time all four majors were won by an American in the same year was 1982. Can an American win this year, do you think? I know Spieth is the favorite. He's already won the U.S. Open and the Masters. What are your thoughts?
4: Um, you know, the interesting thing is is that you know, uh, winning, winning, um, winning major championships is not an easy thing. First of all, there's only four of them every year. Um, Jordan Spieth was able to win the first two in the in the U.S. Open and and uh, the Masters, and then missed a playoff by one shot at at the Open Championship or the British Open Championship. So. Um, I mean, and nobody has ever won all four majors um, as they're constituted right now, all four professional majors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a huge benchmark. Now to have, a, fun, now to have a, a, a year that somebody could win three majors, that's only happened twice. That was Ben Hogan in 1953 and Tiger Woods in 2000. Wow. So, so for Jordan Spieth to, uh, to have a chance to win three majors in a year, that's, that's a phenomenal feat at the age of 21. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing we've got to remember.
2: How old was Tiger is when he did it? 21
4: years of ages. How old was Tiger um, when Tiger, he won the he, three? Uh, he, he was in his early 20s. Early 20s, wow. Yeah, I think he was 22, 23, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but those guys don't come along very often. No, and, they don't. And here's a guy in Jordan Spieth that started out with, you know, just three short years ago, didn't have anywhere to play. Um, he came out of college, left college early, um, and he didn't have he didn't have anywhere to play. He had to rely on sponsors exemptions to get into events on the PGA Tour and the Web.com Tour, and he took those sponsors exemptions and parlayed it um, with great play in the first part of the year, and end up and then ends up winning um, the John Deere Classic for his first PGA Tour win that same year, mm-hmm. and and the rest is history. The right. like Presidents Cups. And and then has has matured as a golfer and his abilities uh, to where he is right now with four wins this year um, and two major championships. So right. his, pretty, compo- his
2: composure is what I just is amazing oh, yeah. to me for how young he is and that in yeah. such a difficult sport with such pressure. Let's talk about Rory McIlroy, the currently the top ranked player in the world. He had that really bad ankle injury that forced him to miss the British Open. Can he make a run?
4: Well, I think he can. But the thing you have to remember is he's been he's been he hasn't played competitive golf in uh, almost two months, so uh, 50 54 days I think, some 55 days, and, and because of that, guys get rusty. They get rusty, and, and especially in the short game, his long game is phenomenal with his drivers, his driver and his irons and that kind of thing. But I think his short game is what's going to be tough for him and and putting because uh, because that's the stuff that you really have to have to hone in on in competition because of the nerves and the pressure and everything that goes along with scoring especially in a major championships. So it's great to have him back this week, but it will be interesting interesting to see if he can he can be on the level of being able to contend in this final major championship of the year.
2: And when you put so much uh, weight on your on your feet on your ankles is that going to yeah. be an issue? Do you think? I mean that you know the twisting and you know planting.
4: You know it's interesting. He spoke yesterday. He said there's three major ligaments in your ankle that that kind of hold it together and stabilize it. Um, one of them he totally ruptured, and that's that's where his problem was mm-hmm. um, and why he had to why he couldn't play. One of them he totally ruptured, um, and. And it's basically scar tissue. Uh, the other two are are now the only ones stabilizing it. So he mm. wears he wears an ankle brace um, on both on both ankles. Um, it, he's not walking with a limp at all. Um, we've seen him, you know, run run from T to green, that kind of thing. But but the thing that's going to happen is, Kathy, is that there's a lot of uneven lies on this golf course, mm. a lot of hills, knobs, mounds. If he gets into into a position where where he's you know having to have most of his weight on his left ankle and and hit a shot because it's a downhill lie or whatever that could affect what what he does with his golf game and and how he hits shots this week so um it's gonna it it could create a bunch of uh instability for him but it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for him to uh i think personally, to to be able to contend this week.
2: Talk about Dustin Johnson. I think he is amazing. He has one of the most beautiful swings I've seen off the tee, and he's so powerful. And he's been in contention uh, in a couple of majors this year, but, you know, just couldn't finish it off. Tell us about him, and what do you think about his chances this week?
4: Well, Dustin's a great player, and this is a golf course where He had the unfortunate incident of in in, uh, 2010 of grounding his club in a in a in a sand trap, right? That cost him a two shot penalty on the final hole, and he missed the playoff um, to be able to have a chance to win uh, this championship in 2010. Dustin Johnson's a great player, as as you stated. He's he's got a ton of power. He hits the ball great. Um, He's proven he's won every single year that he's been out on tour. the only thing he really lacks right now is a major championship, and he's been so close so many times—five or six times—and and the most recent was um, the Open, the U.S. Open Championship, when he had a chance on the final hole. Oh yeah. And he cut it from 12. From oh, 12 I know. Feet. I think now, we could all relate. Now that's his bugaboo. That's oh yeah. His bugaboo mm-hmm. is his putter, and and where he um, falls short is in his ability to make putts down the stretch and uh, and keep himself going, um we saw it at the open championship this year. He led after two rounds ten under par, and then he started missing putts, and he never ever came back
2: right from Is that, that
4: y- shooting, y- shooting six over par on the weekend?
2: you say it's his bugaboo, is it his bugaboo, or is it a little bit of he, the pressure just is a little bit too much
4: yeah, yeah, and that's and and that's that's all included, it's all in included, putts, okay, especially when you're in contention and when you're coming down the stretch trying to to win a championship mm-hmm. and um it's 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 just really difficult and each person has to figure out how that can happen um and and how they can free themselves up to be able to to compete and and compete at their highest make the putts that are necessary to win a major.
2: Right, and that, I'm sure, is what separates the you know the good golfers from the great golfers, and Absolutely. that's why I love Spieth, and his composure is just amazing. So, Bob, yes. give us a few names you think we're going to see at the top of the leaderboard by Sunday afternoon.
4: Well, I think it's going to be the normal cast of characters. I think you're going to see Dustin Johnson in there. He's currently two under through five holes. You're going to see Ricky Fowler in there. He's two under through five holes. Jason Day, he's one under through five holes. The younger guys are going to be teeing off um, – you know the uh, uh, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and and Zach Johnson, the guys who have won the last five majors. They're they're in one group. They don't tee off till this afternoon, about one o'clock, um, Utah time. And so I, I think you're going to see all those those guys in there. Um, I think it's going to be a great championship with the youth movement in golf. I love it right now with the youth movement in mm-hmm. golf. Um, and I think it's I think it's going to you know, those, those are the guys that are going to be in the mix.
2: Well, and those could be the guys that get people wanting to play again, especially the youth, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What
2: about Phil Mickelson? You know, you got- I'm a big fan of Phil. Does he have a shot?
4: Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be tough for Phil. Um, Phil seems to, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat every once in a while in major championships or just about every year. Um, last year he, didn't, he had a horrible year and finished second at the PGA Championship, losing – By a shot or two to to Rory McIlroy so yeah I I, you can't you can't count Phil out um but he's he's really not had a great year this year Mm -hmm. and it's going to be tough for him to play well
2: well we also have to talk Tiger your thoughts on Tiger I mean golf isn't golf especially major when when Tiger Woods isn't in there can he be competitive at all this weekend
4: well currently he's one over par through five holes um can yeah he can he can turn it around and but tiger has to normally get off to a great start he needs to shoot under par in his opening round in a major championship which he hasn't done uh at all this year basically uh his best finish was at the masters where he tied for 16th he was uh he was fifth going in the final two rounds and uh and played horrible in the in on in saturday's round which blew him out of the tournament but uh you know, Tiger, one of the things he's been struggling with coming off of his uh, swing change uh, and that kind of thing is hitting the driver in the fairway. And he's going to have to hit it in the fairway this week if he expects to contend. And uh, and it's just not something he's doing extremely well right now. So it's going to be very difficult for him.
2: Yeah, you know, it's amazing when you see uh, such incredible athletes take such a fall and I mean, Tiger, it's, it's so amazing to see what he was and what he is today. I mean, you see players maybe yeah. choking in, in a particular tournament, a particular hole, maybe a year. But, I mean, he's had a couple of years where it's like, who is this guy? Can he come back?
4: Well, yeah, I, I think he can. I think he's going to be able to come back and win golf tournaments. Um, but what's crazy about him is, you know, he's won 79 times on the PGA Tour, um, you know, uh, 14 major championships. And now, what we're concerned about is him making cuts right. instead of winning championships. So, so we've come a long way in with Tiger Woods. But you know, not only is Tiger going through a lot of change in his his life and his career with with on the on the golf course, but you know he's having difficulties, uh, you know, with his personal life and that kind of thing, which started this whole thing kind of
2: right. It sure going did.
4: On so exactly. It's uh, it's you know, it's. I, I don't know. I guess what goes around comes around. But uh, I think Tiger Woods will uh, will win golf maybe golf tournaments and possibly major championships again.
2: Well, it is incredible how far he's fallen. I mean, it just seemed like yesterday everybody's talking about he's going to destroy Jack Nicholas's major record, and he may not even get there this yeah. time around. Yeah. Bob Castor, Bob yeah. Casper, sorry. Thank you so much. Have a great time. At the PGA Championship, again, you can hear his program, Real Golf Radio, on American Forces Radio, or learn more at realgolfradio.com. Bob, thanks so much for your time. You bet. Well, when we come back to the Matt Townsend Show, sociologist and happiness expert, I love that title, Dr. Christine Carter is going to join us. She works at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, and she's the author of two books, The Sweet Spot, How to Find Your Groove at Work and at Home, and... Happiness. We're going to talk to Dr. Carter about technology and how we can better use it intentionally in our lives. How we can use it to feel love and and connection instead of it stressing us all out like it usually does. Dr. Christine Carter on the Matt Townsend Show. She'll be next right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Kathy Aiken, filling in for Matt, who's hopefully enjoying a couple of days off. Well, I'm sure we'll hear everything about it when he gets back on Monday. He'll, Happy he'll Thursday! Complain.
3: He'll complain. He will complain. He complains ah. about days off.
2: I know, because he's such a workaholic.
3: Well, he always seems to remember the thing that was negative.
2: Oh, instead of the positive. Yeah. We're going to get all the positives. He comes in
3: that. and he goes, oh, this happened. It was horrible. I'm like, really? You took a day really off. you were
2: off. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's also, uh, obviously, Happy Thursday and Happy International Left-Handers Day. Did you know, Terry, lots of famous people are left-handers. It's not common, obviously, but and they're not catered to as much as right-handers, no. which I think lefties don't really like that. But anyway, so U.S. presidents, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, just a couple, Bill Clinton, George Bush Sr., uh, film and entertainment: Judy Garland, Julia Roberts, Bruce Willis. Comedians: Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno. Artists: Now, the, you know Leonardo da Vinci and Rembrandt. You get those lefties. Mm. I mean, you're in good company. That's really now, good. Now, if you're
3: in the le- is that the artist, the artist side of the mind, the left side, I guess or so. yeah,
2: the more artistic side? I think that's true. Does that
3: matter when it comes to? I don't know. your artistic expression. I don't know. My wife's not artistic at all. She's a left hander, though.
2: Yeah, I was going to say my son's my son's very creative though as far as you know
3: i don't i don't know if that really tracks not
2: not art artistic. i bet you someone's done
3: a study i'll find yeah, it sure we'll get them on the show i'm sure
2: they have <laughs> yeah our son he's lefty he throws lefty and he writes lefty that's it huh that's Does, it yeah. doesn't
8: the right side of the brain control the left side of the body vice versa
2: i don't know see it's been so long since i've been i'm going to gonna school. google this <laughs> you guys are just like asking me questions yeah, google i don't it, know but out. you've got some questions and I do. i'm, I'm going to answer them for you terry
3: we don't know much about you you come oh, no. in, you you do the news. Mm-hmm. We talk to you after the show, uh-huh. and there's we, 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 we glean information right. from things that are You're said. Right. But right. there are times where we just need to know a little bit okay. more about you. Okay, all right. Here so we go. you have kids. As Three, you boys. Said. Three boys. Three boys. Do you have any grandkids?
2: No, but I'm hopeful. Um, well, first I have to get married. So, I mean, okay. my oldest one is almost 25, and I... I keep bugging him, and I've decided I need to stop bugging him because I think I'm making it worse. Yes. So I'm not going to say anything anymore. But I just so badly want a granddaughter, sister in law, not sister in law, daughter in law. Right. You know, just having female dogs just doesn't do it. So, someone, yeah.
3: someone female to, to, exactly. to have that. Sort yeah, of experience there's so much with. testosterone
2: yes. in the home that yes. I need. Yeah, I need some girls. Yeah, lots
3: so. of lots of men. Yes. I was going to ask if you're. You know, you're you're giving hints if you were talking to your kids about that. Because my, my parents kind of did that about to me. About getting married? About getting married. Yeah. or Or once you get there, like, you know, kids. Are yeah, you dating and, anybody? And just just, just yeah. back off. Just settle down. It's you fine. You know,
2: because I, I remember I didn't like it when, when people would ask me that. So I thought, yeah. okay, he'll get married and he'll tell me when. and But I do have a say. I, I definitely have a say. There's a couple he thought were the one. And I was like, no. Really? So, and in hindsight, he's grateful that I said that because okay. they were not... <laughs>
3: that's some responsibility yeah
2: that's a mother's responsibility so
3: besides your kids,-huh, because I know everyone says this when this question is Uh-oh. asked, yeah. what is your greatest life achievement so wow. i I'm, I'm talking like you know kids, yeah, we understand like
2: greatest life something achievement. you've
3: achieved that you're very proud of.
2: Well, I've been in the business, the career business, for about 28 years, and I think when I started in Utah, I was one of the first women to ever do sports, sports casting, so I think that's it, on a worldly level, but yeah, yeah. kids by far. I mean, when it's all said and done, I want to be known as a good mother, and hopefully my kids will say that and yeah. don't care about my career, but uh, yeah, I think We're, probably as bad a worldly world, achievement, yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just
3: your, your job there. Yep. No, I, I remember, I'd watch you on TV, Yeah. I'm like, she's the only woman, Yeah. And, it, and still, I think today there might be one...
2: I don't think there's any in, in here, but even
3: like nationally, which is unfortunate. The, nationally, they're trying to you see like ESPN and right. things are trying to branch out, right? Diversify it more right. that way, mm-hmm. and uh,
2: yeah, but, ESPN got it going for sure.
3: And there's there's women that really know their their they know stuff. Their stuff yeah. There's a built-in bias, I guess, when guys are watching. Like, oh, she doesn't know what she's totally. talking Believe about. Believe me, I know that. And, so there's this it. whole other level a female has to go to to be yep. legitimate in that. that you realm, have so. to be.
2: Better. In fact, I remember talking to one of the local sportscasters and he just said, let me just tell you, you need to have your facts straight. He said, if I get a guy's name wrong, people will just assume I mispronounced it. If you get it wrong, they're going to just assume you don't know what you're talking about. So yeah, it's a very different level of, uh, you know, expectations for sure, mm. which is hard. That was yeah. hard. But, I'm, you know, I'm glad I did it. I loved it. I'm passionate about sports. That's, you know, my family loves sports. We're, we're huge Cougar fans, which makes it nice. And so, but yeah, it's definitely a different expectation.
3: What is your greatest fear, both fictional and in real life? So fictional being like in a movie is something that scared you or a book or something oh. like that. And then real life, what, is, what are like you really afraid of?
2: In real life, I, I've always been afraid of of dying before my kids were raised. Okay. I mean, when I would travel with the Utah Jazz or for work, mm-hmm. I would always write my kids a note, give them a candy bar, put it on their bed before I left because I thought, you know, I was always fearful that I would because I never wanted anybody else to raise my kids right. other than my husband and I. So that was yeah. my that was my real life fear. Other things that scare me, I don't like scary movies. At all. I don't like. But like paranormal a- movies, okay. those bug me. I don't watch wa- those at so all. So, at
3: some point, have you watched one of those, or is it just the idea of the movie? I that think you don't just like?
2: the idea, of the darkness. Okay. I don't like. I hate those. Those drive me crazy. Yeah. I feel uh, like I know you
8: so much better now. <laughs> this has got way deeper than I, know. I thought so it would. So deep. Oh my goodness! and people These really questions are
2: going. Okay, this is so boring. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Spiders scare me. Yeah. Um, It's funny. My son, who's on a mission in Japan, said, Mom, they don't kill spiders here because they think it's bad luck if you kill them. (laughs) So he said they're everywhere. Um, But yeah, um, I don't watch scary movies. Um, No, that's not my thing. Okay. Not at all. What scares you?
3: Me? Yeah. I don't. I don't like. You don't I, the through. the movies. No, it's not that I don't get scared. It's the the movies kind of get me because you're, you you kind of get sucked into that sort of environment. Yeah. I just remember when I was a little kid and Psycho was on TV and all.
2: That was scary. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember seeing Halloween. The yeah. first Halloween movie went with my friends and that was, that was scared it. me to death. I thought I never. I don't think I've ever seen a movie like that before because it just left such I a think yucky the, I, feeling. I
3: think at that point you make your decision. Do you like yeah. those types no. of movies or not? No. I don't because I just don't like. Like being scared.
2: Were those scare? What are they called? Scare, scare one, two, three. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Earth films. No. What is that? It's. Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. But they had so many. One, two, three, four. Whatever. Right. And people, oh, scary movie. Is it just called scary yeah. movie? Yeah. yeah. I one, two, don't understand. Two, three, four, five. I do not understand the attraction to that. I yeah. don't get it. I, I don't know if it's more of a
3: there, you are thinking of scream scary movies. Oh, scream! That's it. of it. It's the adrenaline rush. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're scared, and you're like, "Oh!" And people like that, and so oh, they go for it. I don't. I just I can't. Yeah. No. no. Just like
2: I say, that the, the evil kind of stuff I don't like. The jumping out and stuff that that doesn't bother me. It's just that other. It's funny. Uh, my my dad is a huge fan of the Pink Panther movies with Peter Sellers mm-hmm. and Kato in that movie. We used to be play Kato. You know, do you know? Have you ever seen the movie? I have Kato. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he would always hide and jump out to scare him to see if he was ready for whatever would come <laughs> yeah. his way Here's and testing, so that's what would scare testing me his skills, people yeah. jumping out in the house you know not knowing where they're going to come from so that's that's the only thing
3: what uh what's the last book you read
2: the last book i read wow um
3: or are you currently reading a book
2: you know i actually read to kill a mockingbird again because my son oh. had to read it uh, when he was a senior in high school mm-hmm. and um that was the last one i love that book ago, i love the author how long ago was that That was about, well, it was about six months ago because my son, when he was in, you know, last year in high school, had to read it. And then I just saw it laying around the house. I thought, I'm going to read it too so we can talk about it.
3: I think we're we're in the society now where we read more online. We read shorter things. We read more news. Yes. And so you're not reading long works of fiction anymore.
2: It's interesting. uh, My stepmother-in-law, she, it drives her nuts that the thinking that newspapers, are going away because she wants that paper there and yeah. I'm that way with the book I don't like to read on the tablets I think you guys are, I don't know if yeah. that's I, more I you can't,
3: I can't read because I don't know where I am I am in the yes, book that's I like me knowing too. if I'm about halfway yeah, me and, too yeah.
2: I have to put a bookmark in there so I know right where I'm at I want to underline it with my pen but you I'll, know. I'll
3: read news articles mm-hmm. on, on my phone like, or I will tablets do that too yes, just because I know they're shorter right. they're quicker but that's with a book true. I need that the, 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 the tactile feel of how far I am into the book
2: but I think the younger generation isn't that what they're going to. I yeah. think that's what they read everything. Is that right, Mike?
8: You know, statistics have shown that they still like paper books. It's yeah. about 60-40 right now. Is it really? Yeah, in favor of books.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I would guess it was flip. the other way. It's, it's gonna gonna is going to flip. It is going to flip. Yep. Yeah, I do. I love. I have to have that pe- paper in my hands for sure. Okay, thanks for those fun questions, and I'm sure the audience is very thrilled to hear.
3: Oh, there's more. We can do this all <laughs> okay, day. <good>. So,
2: <laughs> well, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Christine Carter. She's a sociologist at UC Berkeley, and we're going to talk about using technology intentionally. She's going to explain a little bit more what that means and how it can help us all in our daily lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show, and you're listening to BYU Radio.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Kathy Aiken, filling in for Matt today. He's taking a couple of days off, hopefully enjoying some much-needed rest and relaxation. Hope you're having a great Thursday wherever you're at. And I'm sure Matt is very disappointed, Terry, that he can't say that today is International Left-Handers Day. I know that's one of his favorite things is to point out what yes. day it is. And yes. so, and he's a righty, so maybe he wouldn't care. Uh, International Left-Handers Day. Some famous lefties. Fictional. I didn't even think of this. Garfield and Bart Simpson are lefties? Wow! Didn't know Sp- SpongeBob fact- qu- queer- <laughs> Sponge Square, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, one of my children's favorite shows that drove me crazy. I didn't know he was a lefty. The
3: majority of the Simpsons characters yep. are left-handed because the the creator I was is say left-handed. The creator must be left-handed. So he just okay. said everyone's left-handed. So that's how they go Elsa with that.
2: from Frozen is a left.
3: Apparently, no. You have to watch you and see which say, hand yeah, she favors sure. in the show. That's, but that's interesting. Apparently, she's a lefty too. Yeah, she freezes the world with a. Oh, sorry if you yeah. haven't seen the movie.
2: Famous sports lefties, John McEnroe, forgot about that. Yeah. Larry Bird, is he a lefty? That's
3: what they said.
2: That doesn't sound right. Why am I thinking he's a righty? I don't know. Anyway, LeBron James, he's not a lefty. I
3: don't pay attention to this stuff, but he might be. Wow. Yeah.
2: I don't think that's right.
8: Fun lefty fact, 2,500 people a year in the U.S. that are left-handed die by using right-handed products. There you go. Be careful.
3: It's an issue.
2: Like what? Give me an example.
8: Uh, if you're using like scissors, you know, they're usually yeah. made for right, right-handed right. person. right Oh, yeah. So imagine a chainsaw that's made oh, specifically whoops. for a right-handed person. Yeah. And it kills you. Yeah. Well,
2: because you've got it in the wrong hand.
8: Well, okay. We're not, we're, we talk about good here. So yeah. we'll leave okay. it at that. Okay.
2: Interesting. Okay. International Left-Handers Day. So if you have a lefty in your family, give them a shout out. So, Terry, what do we have in the news this morning?
3: Former President uh, Jimmy Carter announced Wednesday that he has cancer and will undergo treatment at an Atlanta hospital. The cancer, which uh, the 90-year-old former president says has spread to other parts of his body, was discovered after he had a small mass removed from his liver earlier this month. Carter said he will make more a more public statement next week. Once more details about his condition are known. The ongoing story of Hillary Clinton and her email server, she is directed her staff to turn over emails to the Justice Department. Clinton also instructed her team to hand over a thumb drive containing copies of all the emails that she uh, had previously provided to the State Department. Two or more emails have been identified as top secret, should not have been on her private server, which is now causing more of a uh, dust-up with this as the investigation continues. Republican presidential candidate Carly Fiorina had this to say about Clinton agreeing to turn over her emails.
2: And she should have done it long ago. And she did the wrong thing by deciding which emails to destroy
3: Fiorina added that America wasn't worried necessarily about it being stolen the physical server as Hillary keeps talking about the fact that it was protected by her Secret Service detail that Mm -hmm. she has afforded. And that's not really the concern. It's the concern of if someone from, I don't know, China, Russia has gotten into it, as we've heard about with the Secretary of State. The head of the Environmental Protection Agency, Gina McCarthy, visited Animas River in Colorado to see the damage caused by a containment mill spot from the, uh, the mine in that area.
2: So as you probably know, EPA's mission is to protect public health and the environment, No agency could be more upset about the incident happening or more dedicated in terms of doing our job and getting this right. You know, I don't think you can really relate to how damaging and hurtful that is until it hits your state and it's coming to us and it's bad it's heading yeah Uh, Yeah, i watched a
3: report from a denver tv station yesterday and the guy reached down into the river and he goes yeah you see the river it's kind of a green murky sort of color it's usually the all the pictures you see is it's blue and it's crystal clear and that's where people would go out and Mm -hmm. kayak and have some fun that way fish and he reaches down in and pulls out the dirt and the dirt has this oil sheen to it because all that sediment that came down the Right, iron and right, zinc and all this right. stuff, had settled, settled to the bottom of the, the river now. Wow. And so now, now they're testing effects. to see what the contamination is. Mm-hmm. How do you fix something? Because it's gone a couple hundred miles now. <laughs> well, the damage is done river, to so. the economy and, you know, yeah. people
2: that, you know, they what they take people down the river. That's, that's their livelihood. That's There's lots do. of things, yeah. Uh,
3: the uh, agency head, Gina McCarthy, says new data is forthcoming that shows the containment in the water... Uh, It's returning to normal levels. It's been one week since the workers triggered the breach that caused more than 3 million gallons of water contaminated with lead, arsenic, and other metals into the rivers. She said that her department takes full responsibility for spilling from the mine uh, and uh, will uh, do what they can to uh, try to fix this. It's something they're on top of. They have people... Uh, he called them like a strike team or something in the area. I think people are just more that.
2: angry the fact it took over 24 hours for yes. them to say, oh, we've got a problem.
3: Yeah. They said it looks normal. There are pockets that are still colored with the yellow sludge-like mm. material. Uh, former Texas Governor Rick Perry cash strap campaign will be rescued by a political action committee days after he announced plans to stop paying staffers. The Opportunity and Freedom PAC can't officially coordinate with the campaign, but it can carry out many of the campaign's functions independently. So I'm not sure how you can stay separate from the campaign, but help them pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't, the, the laws here Something become like very odd. Yes. Very murky. Very big. Yeah. Perry's regular staff is said to be on board too. Despite the financial difficulties, everyone's still focused on getting Rick Perry to the White House. Now, the only problem is Rick Perry. If he can, and
2: he's way down in the polls, get out of his own he's way. About apparently, very back, close to the bottom, I believe.
3: There's a Donald Trump sandwich in Washington D.C. The GOP front runner at the American City Diner in Washington D.C. has introduced the Trump sandwich with the main ingredient being bologna.
2: Fair. Okay, good, good.
3: Apparently bologna is something that uh-huh. he is equated with for some reason. <laughs> for just $6.95, diners can enjoy a sandwich piled high with bologna as well as lettuce, tomato. It's a sandwich uh-huh. with a big yeah. stack it's of a bologna. bologna. Uh The owner says the Trump sandwich will be on the menu as long as we have enough bologna. And also he's got T-shirts and all kinds mm. of stuff going on with it. Interesting to see if it, it sells very well. So, uh, yeah. No, no word on if he is going to... Uh, have any other GOP presidential candidates represented in the menu in any way? But so far, he has some <laughs> baloney. This got to ca- be
2: something like with hot air in there somewhere. Maybe uh, something <laughs> filled with hot air too, right?
3: This story came out and uh, shows that uh, you know people really—I don't know. This, this, this is this is a bad thing. Movie theater prank gone wrong. Oh, no. Police are searching for pranksters who burst into a Southern California movie theater last weekend, frightened the audience with the roar of a leaf blower.
2: You know, they, how dumb is that after everything that's gone on with in the theaters this year?
3: Yeah, one man opened an emergency exit allowing others to enter and yell, I've got a chainsaw, while revving the motor. So it sounds, you don't know what it is. You're just watching a movie and this comes in. Moviegoers fled. Three patrons suffered minor injuries in their haste to exit the theater. According to the police, several high-profile assaults and killings have occurred in movie theaters recently which likely contributed to the uh, sense of panic oh. in the movie theaters so the police are investigating Can you imagine
2: if someone had a heart attack and died? Right. I mean that would be that would be what? A murder charge, right? Yeah. Seriously so my husband and I went to the opening night of Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation and it, it, we got there I guess early enough and I don't know there was maybe a quarter of it was filled and so we're on the top row which I always go to and literally this guy walks up and no one else is sitting on that whole row when he sits right next to my husband. I look at my husband and I go, that's weird why is he why did he like sit right next to you so my whole the whole movie i'm thinking yeah. this guy's gonna pull something out i'm is yeah. that terrible You're like, i'm just i what, was paranoid what
3: normal person walks into a half empty theater yes. and sits right next to somebody when
2: you've got when there were like 20 <laughs> seats to his left yeah. Yeah. i yeah. thought that was so it really scared me were you right in the middle Uh, No, a little bit to the right. But still, who does that?
8: And I'm surprised that you just sat there and took it. I would have, like, got up and adjusted (laughs) and moved somewhere else. Well, there's one way you pick, you you
2: know, when you buy things. I love the theaters now where you can pick your seats. You know, you can uh, can say, I'm going to sit here. And so it's reserved. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, leave. I'm just hoping that eventually this theater, theater fills up and I'll understand. And it did, but it was, for that first literally 15 minutes, I kept going, okay, I've got to be on the alert. <laughs> so it was like I'm, I'm looking at the peripherally, going, okay, my he's getting once he stands up, something's going to happen. What am I going to do? <laughs> so
3: it was you, your husband, and, and this guy, guy Bob. Yeah, but thankfully it was
2: finally full, and it was weird anyway. Okay, Terry, thanks <laughs> Did you guys say anything?
8: Did you say hi? No, it was just quiet. It
2: was quiet. I think wow. it was really, it okay. was, and he was all by himself. And you go, who, I don't know, I don't know a whole lot of people that goes. Go go to movies by themselves. I know they're out there, but everything that's happened in theaters this year it scared me. <laughs> yeah. I thought this guy's weird. So
3: these guys trying thinking they're funny
2: it's not funny
3: crash through the doors with a leaf blower wow yell chainsaw
2: I hope they get and in big trouble
3: I hope so it's, it's one of those if that
2: were my child oh man yeah. yeah he'd be in big trouble okay Terry thank you so much for the news today when we come back to the Matt Townsend show here on BYU radio we're going to talk with sociologist and happiness expert dr. Christine Carter she's going to talk about how we can use technology better how we can use it more intentionally instead of being so obsessed with it in our everyday life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hope you're having a great Thursday. I'm Kathy Aiken, filling in for Matt, who's taking a couple of days off and hopefully having a great time wherever he is. We are going to talk in this segment about using technology intentionally. You may remember recently on the show, we talked a little bit about FOMO or fear of missing out. People posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media because of the fear of missing out on, well, life. But is that how social media should be used? Should we always have anxious, inadequate, or envious feelings? When we scroll through our news feeds, are we looking at how many likes we get every day? Sociologist and senior fellow at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, Christine Carter, says that social media can foster positive emotions, and positive emotions can reduce our stress. Dr. Carter is a sought-after keynote speaker and the author of The Sweet Spot, How to Find Your Groove at Work and at Home, and Raising Happiness. Dr. Carter, thanks so much for being with us today.
9: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Hey, I love the title of your book. First, before we get into the technology aspect, raising happiness—I know you have children, and I think raising happy children in today's society can be a challenge. How do you do it?
9: Well, that's why I wrote a whole book about it. Right, we, <laughs> right. What we need to learn. I've got, I've got four kids now, and um, I have studied the science related to positive emotions, not just happiness, but also things like resilience or optimism or gratitude. And, um, you know, what I've learned is that happiness is much better thought of as a skill or a set of skills that we can teach our children, that we can practice ourselves, that we can really develop. It's more, it's better thought of as a fluency, like learning a language mm-hmm. than um, something our kids or we either have or don't have.
2: Yeah, I find I find that very interesting because I, I see where you said that happy, we say it's it's a learned behavior and a muscle we help our children build and maintain. Is is it real? I, I don't I don't want to say it's simplistic, but is that really how they create happy lives? Is it it's a learned behavior?
9: I I do think it is, but I think it's learned more at the ha- level of habit right so mm-hmm. we look we look at the people in our lives whether or not they are children this applies to adults absolutely as well and we say oh well she just seems naturally cheerful and in fact she's probably in a lot of habits of thinking patterns of behavior routines that lead her towards uh the brighter side of life, mm-hmm. right? Right. It, and it becomes a very virtuous cycle. We we know so much more now, even than when I wrote raising happiness, about how positive emotions like happiness benefit um the rest of our lives, right? We know that people who are more positive, who are happier Tend to be more successful in their careers, True. in their marriages, and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that we want for ourselves and for our children, They um, positive emotions really do fuel. And that's why, I also, I wrote The this, this Sweet Spot, too, because, uh, you know, there is a very much a performance and productivity angle to all of this. You know, I get teased a lot by my friends for being sort of relentlessly optimistic. But actually, it's not just about leading a more jo- joyful life, which is certainly the most important thing to me and mm-hmm. for my children. Sure. But it, it's also about allowing our greatest potential to, allowing us to fulfill our greatest potential and allowing our children to, to fulfill their potential for their greatest intelligence and creativity and resilience and and of course joy.
2: Right. It's funny because I think we try to teach our children so many different skills and maybe we're not really thinking of that. Uh, one of the skills is happiness. You know, I have three. I have three sons of my own. My oldest, he's happy all the time. Has the most incredible outlook. My youngest, a little more up and down, and I think our middle son is, is kind of in between. You know, I think we raised them the same. We didn't do anything, you know, really drastically different. So is happiness at all in the DNA that you come with?
9: Oh, of course it is. Yeah, I've got four children, and, and I, and I, it, it really, um, you know, our personalities come with our DNA, of course, but it's better thought of at like, the proclivity to learn a language, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it's not it's not totally innate. It it's our proclivity towards something, of course, right? But mm-hmm. then you know w- what we know now. So, well, let me just extend that metaphor a little bit, right? So we we have kids that pick up languages, new languages, really easily, right? And we have kids that really struggle but every kid needs to be taught the basic grammar the basic vocabulary every kid has to practice in order to become fluent so it you know it really is both things and increasingly the the field of epigenetics which is the interaction between our genes or our DNA and the environment is is yielding really interesting results where we're seeing how the environment, our behaviors, our habits, actually change our DNA. So, um, so it really can't be either or. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to think about as a parent when you, we've got these kids with such different uh, personalities. Right. Because we just need different strategies. One size does not fit all. You know, there, the happiness is is not one skill. Right. It's a whole bag of skills that yeah, we it, need to teach them and practice with them. It really
2: is. And I know, you. I'm sure you know, of raising your first child to your last, it's it's very different. It's very different in how you do things. But let's now uh, get to the technology aspect that we were going to talk about today and social media. You say, um, don't fool yourself. Use technology intentionally. What do you mean by that?
9: Well, I'm seeing a lot of the executives that I work with and, of course, our teenagers and um, the people around us today, we aren't using technology very strategically or intentionally. We use it very compulsively. It is. It does have a very addictive component to it so and and because it's always available to us right we have this little computer that we our kids keep in their pockets they're always with us and we come you know it's it's easy to compulsively check our email or our twitter feed or whatever it is that is holding our interest and what people don't entirely realize i don't think is that they won't stop doing this through the sheer force of their ironclad will right mm-hmm. the the part of our brain that is triggered when we check our social media or our email or something is from an evolutionary standpoint quite old it's the limbic system in the brain it 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 works very rapidly so you can think, I shouldn't be checking my email so much. I need to focus. But if you hear a little ding from your phone, you've already distracted yourself. Your lim- your limbic system has already kicked in. It wants to know that phone contains social information. So it's <laughs> nothing more relevant to our brain than social information, right? It's right, just curiosity, so- right? Right. Curiosity, it's already distracted, right? Mm. And you have to use your willpower or your self-discipline to check, or maybe you don't. You know, self-discipline is, is, a, is a renewable resource, but it's limited in any given day, right? It's right. Like in the afternoon, you might find yourself checking more because you can't resist mm-hmm. as much. So that's not intentional or strategic technology, usage.
2: I love that with the word strategic. I think that fits it perfectly. Does your research show, uh, Dr. Carter, who's best at using social media intentionally, men or women? Is, is there a difference? Oh, I don't know.
9: That's such a good question. But um, I don't know. I mean, we do have some evidence that women um, who use Facebook and Twitter a lot tend to be less stressed out by it. But it depends also how, how they're using it. And the research, to be totally honest, the research isn't great because it's not causal, right? We Mm -hmm. don't, it's just sort of, uh, you know, correlational or, you know, there's just association. So we don't know what, what is causing it. So I, I don't know. We do, you know, we, we have lots of statistics about who's using
2: what. Right. Um, do we do we know do we know if men or women that they use it uh, social media for different reasons are we using it intentionally in different ways
9: I you know I personally don't know I do you know that um, that women are more likely to use Facebook for example and I think men are probably more. Uh, likely to use Twitter and that that it's the social sharing aspect of Facebook, which tends to reduce stress, Mm -hmm. right? So sharing photos, connecting with an actual real person. Mm. So Um, I wondered
2: if men used it more maybe for business or sports to look up maybe scores or something or watch a game. And women, like you say, it's more of a social connection uh, with friends or whatever and seeing, you know, what other people are doing.
9: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that that certainly makes sense to me, but unfortunately,
2: that's not my arena of expertise, so I can't tell you definitively. Yeah. Well, you you say um, it, there was a, a headline in the Washington Post that said using Facebook and Twitter a lot can actually decrease stress if you're a woman. Tell us tell us why that is.
9: Well, I actually that's the, the study that I was referring to that. I, it isn't um, great. So it was a, a Pew Research Center report that, that did find that women who use Twitter, email, and self-picture sharing um, report lower levels of stress. So that doesn't mean that they did a controlled study, for example, and they said, okay, this group of women, you, we want you to use this social media more, and, um, and let's see what it does to your measured levels of stress. Stress or mm-hmm. maybe tension. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some of those studies, um, but this this really isn't one of them. We don't we don't know if um, if there is a cause and effect relationship. What we do know is that there is a cause and effect relationship between the number of times you check your email per day, because that is something that's been measured in a really controlled way, where researchers went into um, uh, business environments and they. And they measured people's overall levels of stress and physical tension in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And they measured how often they were checking their email. And then they, and then they manipulated how, you know, how often they were allowed to check their email, right? They let right. like, some people check it as often as they wanted. Those people were checking um, more than 50 times a day, you know, wow. glancing back at the apps. And then the other people, they said, all right, we'd like you to do this really strategically. Pick three times a day to check your email, and then you can check it for as long as you want, but then close the application. Now, most of the people who are in the experimental group that had reduced um, ability to check cheated, actually. And because, you know, you can measure, the researchers can measure these things. Oh, yeah. so they, they cheated and they checked five times a day on average. Mm. but still, that was so much less than um, they were cheating I mean, they were checking before or, um, or the, you know, the group that was allowed to check um, as much as they wanted. And what they found was that their overall levels of tension and stress dropped very dramatically.
2: Wow, that's that's interesting. I find this fascinating. Dr. Carter, please stay with us because when we come back, we're going to talk about a new study that shows how children are negatively affected when their parents are glued to their smartphones and not paying attention to their kids. Dr. Carter will give us some ideas on how we can use social media in a more effective way in our everyday lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend show. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt today. And in this segment, we're talking with Dr. Christine Carter, who says using social media and technology intentionally rather than compulsively can help us lead happier lives. Dr. Carter, thanks for being with us today.
9: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: So a new study from Boston Medical Center, I thought this was really interesting. It shows parents who get too absorbed by their email or other social media have more negative interactions with their children, which makes them feel like they're competing for their parents' attention. I mean, that's not good. That, that's really a, a sad report, in my opinion.
9: Oh, I know. It is. and And, and also, this is the, you know... I often call this kind of research, which I love, I don't mean to insult it by saying this, but this is the science of the blazingly obvious, right? We know that we're more irritable when we're trying to do more than one thing at, at once. You know, we think, we talk about, we parents talk about what great jobs we do multitasking. But in fact... There is no such thing as multitasking in the human brain, right? We cannot run multiple apps at any one given time. Hmm, we are that's not computers. Uh-huh. So we just switch back and forth between whatever it is we're trying to do, and we make mistakes when we do that. It takes us longer to do it, and what happens is very quickly we human beings go into what researchers call cognitive overload where we start to have, and and that that cognitive overload or that sense of overwhelm has very real consequences for us. Um, We, you know, our brain starts to, certain parts of our brain start to shut down in order to deal with all the switching back and forth between activities. And one of the things that happens among many is that, we start to not we we get more tense and more irritable, but we have a hard time um, controlling our emotions, right? So right. You, you're trying to focus on something, something kind of stressful has just come in from work. You, it really needs your attention, and then you hear mom, 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 mom <laughs> and <laughs> you snap,
2: right? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. I remember is... that well. Uh huh. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. This is my world. I right know, now. sad. <laughs> I know. But it does. But I feel so badly when I think back at those times that maybe I, you know, did something with my phone when, when they were asking me a really important question and I kind of blew them off. I feel so badly about that. How do we change that? Because obviously, we're teaching our children sometimes that our yeah. phones are more important to them. And so they're, they will do the same thing.
9: Yeah, they, and you know what? I have teenagers. They do do the same thing to us, right? They're, right. They're easily distracted. We're, can we can be talking to them that we're in the car or whatever, and so you you know, and they're looking at their phones, and you're you you're missing out on this time together. Oh yeah. So the the key thing is to really um, set limits around when you will check. So, you know, this is that strategic technology usage that we were talking about before. Deciding when will you check your email, right? Right. right before dinner is not a good time because your kids are likely to need you right. right then or 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 you're likely to miss out on that. So in our family now, you know, we've really struggled, we've grappled with this, we've you know, it's been years coming, we've got we do have four teenagers now, so this is something that we've sort of honed and we we do. We have we have um Technology-free places, love that. And times, love that. In our lives, so there are no cell phones or computers allowed in the dining room ever, even to take a picture. Right? Oh, like I just, love that. what
2: do you what do you do, you do at night? What do you do at night? Do you let their do you let your children take their phone with them in their rooms?
9: No. Where do you put we them? Don't. They're not allowed to watch any video or just um, do. You know, they they need to do. All of what they want to do on their computers and their phones in a common area, right? Mm, so this right. is the like what used to be t- television watching. They now want to watch, you know, like Miranda sings on their on YouTube or whatever, right? Which is fine. They just need to do it in the living room, right? And so it becomes a little bit more of a, a shared family activity. It's still not like watching television together, but it's a little bit better. And then we do have, you know, they they all understand the science around. Um, blue light and how it affects their sleep and for teenagers especially it I mean for all of us you know how many adults do you know that have a hard time falling asleep and so then they check their email in bed
7: they can't disconnect
9: right but teenagers especially can get really really jacked up Mm -hmm. um, and uh, by that blue light and so a half an hour before their bedtime they all of their devices I mean, they just kind of, they, there's been an accumulation in our household of devices. They, they all come from wherever they are, and they, we have a charging station, which is like this giant cord mess. <laughs> but they all pile up their stuff, and their cords are all labeled. Right. And, um, and you know, they all have old-fashioned alarm clocks, right? Mm, because not the, use their phone, um, yeah. Because the, it was ruining our mornings. And this is something that I see adults. Really struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to use technology more strategically, and that probably means not checking your email as soon as you wake up, or checking your texts or whatever when you go to bed and you're setting your alarm, or the first time you wake up. And and uh, but that's what we do. We have our alarms, and in, before we even get out of bed, we're checking our emails and our feeds and our you know everything that came in. Um, the previous night, so i I like people to think about hiding the candy bowl right right so we, we aren 't going to be able to to, to- to use our willpower to resist checking all the time. So this is a little bit. This is something we instituted during Halloween, right? You can hear, feel when we had candy everywhere, and I was <laughs> trying not to eat so much candy, and trying to get the kids not to eat so much candy. But it was everywhere, and I, and I said, you know, what? we need to we need to put this away so that we're not always resisting it. Right. Well, the same Temptation. Thing with our smartphones. Right. Yeah. Right. We wake up in the morning. I mean, if we're trying not to eat chocolate. We're not going to put it right by our bedside table and um, reach into it uh, in the morning and then expect ourselves, you know, before we're even fully awake and expect ourselves to resist it and then bring it
2: with us to the bathroom and then put it next to us at (laughs) breakfast and then put it on the
9: car dashboard. Right,
2: right. You know, it's really. It's. Yeah, I think yeah, it's. It's yeah. just a set. I, for some reason, we think we just. I don't know how we'd lived with it without our phones. It's just crazy. It's like we did do this once before. Before we had cell phones, we really did live, you know, normal and good lives. Doctor Carter, we just have a couple of minutes left to wrap it up. Tell us. I, I guess I would love to hear how we can best help our children use technology intentionally. What are what are just maybe a couple of the key things that we can do as parents to help them not be so darn glued to those smartphones.
9: So the first thing I would say, no matter their age, um, set limits around it. Give them a structure. You know, they can be, as they get older, very autonomous within that structure. But where is it appropriate? Not in the bathroom. Not in, you know, the dining room. Not in the car if you, if we're driving as a family or whatever your rules are. Set it out and be consistent. And the second thing, which is probably even more important, is to model that usage yourself. Oh, so true. Follow those rules yourself. If you don't want your kids looking at their phones during breakfast, don't you
2: do it too. Boy, that's so true, and I find myself telling my kids not to do something that I end up doing right after I tell them not to do something. So, Dr. Carter, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Dr. Christine Carter, a senior fellow at UC Berkeley, such great information on how we can better use technology intentionally instead of being so compulsive about it in in our everyday lives. We so appreciate all her information. Again, she has two great books out, The Sweet Spot, How to Find Your Groove at Work and at Home, and Raising Happiness. Thanks again, Dr. Carter. Well, stay with us, because when we come back, we'll talk BYU football and fall camp with the guys down at BYU Sports Nation. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Back to the Matt Townsend Show. That's Paul McCartney. You're wondering why we're playing Paul McCartney. Well, it's International Left-Handers Day, and he happens to be a left-hander. We know it's a stretch, but... We wanted a little bit of different music, so there's Paul McCartney for you. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio. Now it's time to head down to the studios of BYU Sports Nation to talk with Spencer Linton and Brian Logan. Hi, guys. How are you this morning?
6: Hi, Kathy. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, you too.
2: Yeah. Hey, so before we get into talking BYU football camp, I thought this was a great story I wanted to throw past you guys. So I don't know if you saw this. Detroit Lions receiver Ryan Broyles, he signed a contract worth more than $3.6 million when he was drafted three years ago. And just about $1.4 million of that was guaranteed. So he meets with a financial planner, decided to go on a budget. Even better, he'll avoid becoming a statistic, one of those players who blows through their money and all their millions and become bankrupt. I think we know a few of those. Well, the difference between the millions and the $60,000 goes entirely to investments and retirement savings, And the couple drive Mazdas. Sorry, Mazdas. I I don't know if that's a dig or not. But according to Rothstein, he checks his investments every day on his cell phone, takes advantage of the NFL's matching 401K. I guess it's news, guys, when a professional athlete doesn't blow through his money and spends it wisely. I think we all know some of those guys that have gone bankrupt, don't we?
6: Yeah. So first of all, major shout-out to Ryan Broyles. I know.
2: Can you imagine? Living on $60,000 as an NFL player. I mean, I think there's players... Like LeBron James that, you know, probably spend that every month.
6: Well, yeah, for sure. Every I mean, they, day, probably. That's not an exaggeration. No, there are not. some guys that seriously can go through 60 grand in a day. Is that crazy?
10: That is crazy. I, I would, would kind of I would like, like to of have the guys. chance. I don't would, you,
2: wouldn't, would, Brian? Wouldn't you want oh, yeah. at least to try?
10: Um, no. No. There's a reason why God made me five, six, and why <laughs> I didn't play professional sports and make millions and millions of dollars. Uh, there you area. go.
2: Okay. There you go. That's a good reason. Well, let's, guys, let's talk about Fall Camp. Uh, almost a week now uh, that we've been into Fall Camp. What's the biggest headline so far coming out of Fall Camp?
6: There are a couple of things right now. I think the first one is the suspension of Sione Takitaki, the mm-hmm. linebacker, right. uh, who. Bronco Mendenhall has been very complimentary of through fall camp. He had a brilliant game against UCF last year. Uh, He's been suspended for the opener in Nebraska for breaking the team conduct policy. um, Got himself in trouble with BYU police. So he's out. Mm. We're going to react to that. Try and figure out just how much of a loss that really is. Because Bronco also said the linebacking position is the deepest of any group on the team. So even though you lose a good player like Sione, how much will it really affect the team? for the opener at Nebraska.
2: Well, just not him, though. I mean, do we know yet how many players are going to miss action uh, due to the brawl in the bowl game?
6: We won't know until game preparation week. And so at the earliest, a week before the Nebraska game, if there are any suspensions at all. I, I, we don't even know what is going to happen or what those suspensions, the terms of those suspensions are, if it was practices, if it's an actual game. We won't find out the details of that until about a week before, at the earliest, the Nebraska wow. game. Oh, well, wow. And
10: then you still have... Uh, three more weeks of fall camp for guys to try to stay healthy. So, right, right. You, you know, That's not, not even, even counting 90. possible
2: injuries. Yeah, and then obviously with Jamal out, now, that could be a that could be a tough opener. Any update on linebacker Colby Jorkinson, who had uh, surgery for a fractured neck?
6: Well, happy to report that he is uh, in stable condition, but certainly uh, going through a major personal trial right now. Not sure if he's ever going to play football again. Doesn't look positive, that's for sure. But the team did visit with him, and apparently he's in good in the circumstances. So, you know, obviously our love and thoughts and concern go out to Colby and, and his family. He'd only been married a week for crying out loud. So just, I mean, the timing of it all, it's never good timing. But right now it just seems extra hurtful. Yeah.
2: Wow, that's that's really unfortunate. Um, so I keep hearing all this great news about quarterback Tanner Mangum. Your thoughts on him? Is he the real deal? I, is, he, is he getting the reps, or do you think he'll get the reps necessary if Taysom goes down again?
6: I talked to Jason Beck about this, the quarterback's coach, and he's Tanner is essentially doing what Christian Stewart did last fall. Ken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting plenty of reps. The exciting part about what Tanner faces is that let's, let's hope Taysom can stay healthy all season long so he has a full year to develop, kind of like Max Hall did under John Beck. But Tanner is now looking at two of the most epic schedules ever in BYU football history. Wisconsin was just moved from 2019 to 2017, which would be Tanner's junior year. So the next year's schedule, he's... Got seven, I think, seven P5s. Just unbelievable schedule. And now 2017's home schedule includes Utah, Wisconsin, Boise State, not to mention uh, an opener on the neutral side against LSU. So ta- Tanner is the guy that is now in charge of facing the two hardest schedules that BYU football will have ever encountered.
2: Wow. No, no, nothing like pressure, right?
6: No nope,
10: no pressure at all.
2: Hey, so, Brian, t- I want to hear from you. Talk about the depth at the cornerback position behind the starters Who's gonna be there? Are you comfortable with who they have?
10: Yeah, well I mean, coming out of spring, the, the biggest story was um uh Hanneman and he's actually out right now with a with a knee injury. Um so he hasn't started practice at all uh for fall. So a lot of the coaches were really high on him, a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of buzz. Um, but right now you have Jordan Prater who they moved to, to field corner uh to to kinda of help out with the depth there. Uh, which I am in love with with him i uh, I think he needs to be at that position if it, it fits his skill set better uh, and then on the other side, you have Michael Davis, who is actually a receiver mm-hmm. uh initially when he came to b y u he played a little bit last year, so there's some experience there and then the guy right now that you are uh, that's really battling with those guys is Michael Shelton. Um, uh, we kind of call him a, a mini Brian Logan. He's he's about my height. There you uh, go. P- plays very similar to, to me. I, I think he will probably be um, a starter soon, uh, the way that uh, camp is going. I talked to Coach Howe, the DB coach. He said some great things about, about him and Jordan Prater. So um, it's looking good. Then you, when you look at the safeties, um, there's some, some pretty good depth there um, as far as guys knowing their position, knowing what to do. But you got some studs and Kai Nakua and – um, Eric Taka how, how do you pronounce it? Takanaka. 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 There, there you I, go. With with Sione and, and Tai. Kautu, There's all these Ts that that's going on, man.
6: Yeah, Tautu and Ta- Ta- Tai. Kautai. Sione. Taketake. Yeah. Taka-taki Eric. <laughs> you know, I don't Spinter envy Linton. the guys that
2: have to uh, figure out all these names. There's so many difficult names. Let's let. Staying on the defense. Talk about the linebackers. Who's, who do you think is going to be the vocal leader out there
6: this year? Hart.
2: Is Harvey, Harvey? Longy wants okay. to
6: be that guy.
2: I, I, I thought that. Will he be the guy?
6: I don't know. I don't know. He wants to be that guy. The, I think he's trying to establish himself as not only the vocal leader, but back it up with actual play on the field. And we have to wait for an actual game for him to do that. That's, so. a,
10: that's the biggest thing. And, and David Nixon, you know, weighed in on on this very thing: is you can be vocal all you want, but it's when it comes down to it. Play, your teammates are going to respect you if you can produce on the field. So that's really the next step for him trying to accomplish that goal of of being the leader of the defense.
2: Wow. Well, I could talk to you guys for hours, but we we've got to kind of wrap this up. What's on your show today?
6: Uh, well, we are going to address uh, many of the topics that we just talked with you briefly on. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the twenty seventeen schedule for one. That that news just broke the Wisconsin. Game in Provo moving from 2019 to 2017 to ramp up that home schedule. Oh. So that's kind of on topic, uh, as well as the depth concerns. Are there depth concerns for BYU at this point, day five of fall camp? How much will the talky talkie absence at Nebraska really affect them? All to be discussed, not to mention one-on-one with BYU's running back, Nate Carter, a guy who's trying right. to help replace Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. What kind of pressure does he feel?
2: Oh, yeah, a walk-on.
6: Yeah, so it's a loaded show, to say the least.
2: All right, Spencer and Brian, thanks so much. Have fun on your show. We'll be listening.
6: Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate
2: it. Now we're going to uh, do what I love... What Matt does every afternoon or every end of the show, and that's talking about the hero of the day. A Kansas City attorney, Gene Balloon, and his wife, Sheila, spent years of their life together caring for 29 foster children, and they adopted two of those along the way. Their love for the children, as well as the program, is what has motivated them to continue to welcome new kids into their home. Being an attorney... Balloon could see a dire need for someone to help families in the foster system to legally adopt the children they were caring for. Balloon is an attorney that now works for adoption cases pro bono. He has represented over 1,000 adoption cases so far and says his next goal is to reach 2,000 successful adoptions. He says, my real joy in the law practice is not in winning some big cases, but completing a final adoption. Balloon and his wife are also helping young foster children create better futures for themselves. Instead of accepting the $500 offered to him for doing pro bono adoptions, he and his wife have used that money to create a scholarship fund for young foster kids to help pay for their college education. What a great man. What a great cause. I'd say those people that cannot have their own children and, and, and go to the adoption... I am so happy that they get their children and to see this man doing such great work for them. Quite an accomplishment. Just
3: making that kind of a, a sacrifice of his time. Right. And and being motivated and going out that way to be able to help other people like that. its
2: Well, and the foster care know. system is so, I think, difficult for these children. I mean, you hear children going from home to home to home and to finally get a permanent home being adopted. What a great, what a great cause. Anything else, Terry?
3: Uh just you're you're back tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I'm back tomorrow. And Matt's we're gonna got a, discuss, discuss movies for the weekend.
3: Yes, we'll have movies tomorrow. We'll also have the uh a BYU baseball coach, coach will be Little in Wood. studio yeah, to talk about to uh, that. kind of a similar thing today with golf and its decline. Yeah, Baseball's baseball, having the same it problem. Is. Major League Baseball is trying to do something about
2: it. Yeah, they are, and that's we'll very interesting. That. You know, you see the kids, and we were talking about with Dr. Carter about their cell phones and how they're glued to that. I think that is so much of the problem today. That's why they're not outside playing the games that we used to play. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if that's a part of it, but we're going to talk to Mark Littlewood a little bit more about that. And, again, as we close out, thanks, Matt, for letting me sit in your chair. It's a big chair, and hope I've filled it okay today, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Again, happy Thursday, and happy International Left Handers Day. A shout-out to my son, Trevor who is an incredible lefty serving a mission in Japan. He won't be hearing this, but I'll be sending him an email telling him we talked about him. Have a great day, everyone. This has been the Mount Townsend Radio Show on BYU Radio.